everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the MinMax Show podcast. It's brand new for you, wherever you are, even if you're listening to this and watching this years in the future. We're happy you're here. Uh, I am Ben Hansen, joined by Sarah Podzorski. Hello. Joined by Leo Vader. If you're listening to this for a second or third or even fourth time, hello to you from me. Hey, how do you feel about this? Before I finish this intro, um... Wade Wojcik, friend of the show, he's been on the Deepest Dives for Halo and stuff like that. He said he listened to our Deepest Dive on Tears of the Kingdom, the first episode. He said he listened to it three times. How does it make you feel? Honored. Honored. But I'm just like, wait, there's other stuff. Like, there Yeah, are... I, I want to check in on him. That... <laughs> that's the thing but like people do reach out and they're really sweet we're like hey I've watched the deepest dive in Final Fantasy 7 I've watched it like four times it's like my god but to have somebody that, like you know personally do that it, it feels different it is like kind of like a what is going on over there I don't I don't understand that as much as I enjoy doing the deepest dive on Tears of the Kingdom like it seems like a lot maybe we were uniquely spoiler free and sometimes you just want to hear people talk about a game you like but tears of the kingdom obviously no one's done with yet right right hey we're also joined by jacob geller i just watched 40 commercials yeah but it's fun isn't it uh e3 season is here officially if you're hearing people chiming their bells outside banging the gongs don't be alarmed if there's tornado sirens going off wherever you are don't Ignore go in your them. basement. Uh, these are just the <laughs> sirens of E3 coming to you, everybody, uh, because it is officially here. There was the big PlayStation showcase. It it feels weirdly early. I don't know if mm-hmm. it just I need it to be June before I can officially get in the season or if it's just further confusion of. Eventually, we're going to end up in like January because people are going to keep trying to inch in front of each other for right. like the biggest scoop and like the biggest airtime. Eventually, right. we'll just we'll wrap around. And so, yeah, then the years will get nice and confusing once we go the full circle. Um, I was thinking, mm-hmm. I wonder if it is, and you might say this is too much uh, thinking about Sony as a corporation, this is too much corporate speak, but a part of me is like, I wonder if they wanted to have their big Spider-Man 2 gameplay showcase showing off Miles and how cool he is before the next Spider-Verse movie comes out. To There must be at least one corporate head honcho chomping on a cigar thinking about that type of synergy and maybe that's what led them to well, go so why early? do they need i mean aren't we gonna all see that movie think this is great can't wait to play as him and then we'll yeah. just see him in the game but then that's full circle yeah so they just feed each other but you get the hype from this transitioning directly to getting people oh right because the movie's also made by sony and that's yes. exactly it uh but yeah the playstation showcase basically their e3 equivalent they showed oh my god i guess i could count it but i don't know numbers that big they showed a ton of games well somebody else is talking i'll try and run down all the games that they showed but there is a lot to unpack there and then we got some odds and ends that people have been playing that we can talk about a little bit and then back after the show you guessed it community questions people uh jumping over on patreon submitting some very smart very wonderful community questions to ask us and we will regale you with our wisdom uh we did a reaction stream with the great Haley mclean community manager if you want to check that out on minmax's youtube channel to see all of our reactions to everything that was shown in the big playstation showcase but i don't know jacob you got hot overall thoughts hot takes versus what you expected all that good stuff i mean it was you know it was certainly one of those where like we watch we watch the Nintendo one and we're like, is this one going to have bangers in it? And then often it does not. Correct. You know, this was this was the full force of Sony where they're just like, you want to see, you know, 
15 games that cost more than a hundred million dollars. Here you go. Uh, and and I was, you know, pretty satisfied with it. I didn't feel like bored uh, watching watching any part of it. Yeah, I, I was surprised. I thought this was I think maybe I'm too much in the state of play mindset. But if I go back to the previous showcases, even I feel like this format's different for just how many games they crammed in and how much third party stuff there was in there. It was really just like. It almost felt Keeley esque for just rapid firing. No, I mean it games. was. I I counted. It was an hour. Uh, thirty seven like trailers. Wow. I, and and some of those, you know, if we count like the collections, were for like multiple games. So you are you are at like forty plus games. That is bananas. Um, Leo, you enjoyed yourself. You hooted. You hollered. Yeah, a few fun surprises. If you didn't like something, it was over in ninety seconds. So. Can't complain too much, except for the Spider-Man thing. <laughs> yeah. See, that's what I thought that it was, was like 20 minutes. Yeah, I thought that was going to be the whole thing is just kind of stringing together uh, a handful of Sony games like that. But it's cool that they got one kind of gameplay deep dive squeeze in there. Sarah, how'd, you, how'd this sit with you? How's it uh, spinning around in your stomach? I do think I prefer the longer showcases. Like, I prefer them over like the 20-minute ones. Because in the longer ones, it feels like, well, if you didn't get what you wanted, you got 30 other things. That would yeah. be, I guess, a good replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. They really cut down on the developer talk from past. Usually, like, you'd go to, like, let's go to the studio and, like, talk to the dev team. Right, right. Um, so they really cut down on that, which I don't mind. But, yeah, it was just, like, an exhausting amount of trailers. Yeah. What was number one in your heart? I mean, for me, the night in the woods. It was it was an off thing for me. A lot of it are games that I had never heard of right. or I have no interest in playing. So, yeah, for me, it was like the night in the woods looked really good just to like hear that music again and be in that art style. Well, okay, there's a lot. It's really a bizarre thing. So this is Revenant Hill is the name of this game, and it's going to be a Mm -hmm. PS5 exclusive. At least they only listed PS5 on there, which is, I think, another kind of high level takeaway is interesting just to see how many games, even if they're kind of smaller, indie-ish looking games, were like PS5 at the end. Like we're seem to be this seemed to be the turning point for when we're beyond the cross the full cross generation stuff. But so this is Finji publishing it, who published Night in the Woods, and the Glory Society, which um is led by a couple of the leads from Night in the Woods, and it shows a cat running around in 2D, and the cat has mm-hmm. May's eyes, but it's not a humanoid cat. It seems like they're just taking that art style and now making a different type of game that just kind of feels Night in the Woods-ish is the best I can reason for what's going on Yeah, they're on like here. burning people in the background, and you're like watching the cat, and you're like, what's going on back there? Can I can I read you the uh, the little thing they tweeted yes, with please. it? Yes, yeah. please. Uh, they said, it's 1919 in the lower north, and Twigs the cat has a dream. Find a safe place to sleep, put down roots, grow some radishes, get a job, eat mice, do dangerous things with new friends, and build something together in a world falling apart. Huh. Um, okay. So I play as the cat. You play as the cat, and then there's a screenshot where the cat is talking. The cat is saying, if I get killed doing this, you better make a real big statue about it. <laughs> so the cat the cat talks. Okay. I, I, I'm curious about this thing. It's a... Uh... By the way, I go back on everything I said in this podcast. If I could rewind time, I would, because it turns out the end of the trailer, it says PS5, but then in fine print on the bottom, it also says PS4. <laughs> so maybe not everything is a fully next generation at this point. But not to bring everybody down, but like Night in the Woods, a game I think we all loved a lot. Behind the scenes, some pretty tragic stuff and sad stuff is yeah. occurring. So it's one of those things of like, oh, okay, we're going back to that vibe, but it's not exactly Night in the Woods too. It's kind of a spiritual successor with 
carrying forth the art style and everything. It's interesting that they would even touch that again. But I think there's so many people out there that are just like, yeah, I would happily play something more that looks and feels a little bit like Night in the Woods. So I guess it makes sense. Uh, great call, Sarah. Great call, Sarah. Uh, Jacob, what was your number one? Um, I guess... I mean, I think the one that was most, like, exciting for me to see uh, is Dragon's Dogma 2, actually. Ooh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Just because that, you know, that's that's the one where it's, like, I really, I just, I have so many questions about that game. You know, it's, like, Dragon's Dogma has been such this, like, cult, you know, favorite where you will talk to people who were like Dragon's Dogma is the best role playing, you know, open world game ever or whatever. And, you know, and and is also kind of an incredibly janky game. Um, And so I'm just like so curious about what the sequel is going to do to like keep that spirit, but presumably make it a more polished game. and, And if it's going to change kind of the scenario or what we saw looked very similar to dragon's dogma you know it's just like i i am just so curious about it are you did you play the original i never i didn't finish it but i like i put in you know the couple dozen hours yeah god bless them for making a game so good apparently that it has had a weird to call it word of mouth might be a stretch but like the fan base for dragon's dogma has like been the subtle marketing for this game for the last six years is everyone just constantly whispering like yeah but dragon's dogma though that's really that's the game for everybody um and they showed a lot here like you know it feels like we just learned that this game existed with like hey we're doing it like revealing the t-shirts that was just that was just last year right and now to show this trailer that showed off a surprising amount of gameplay get Mm -hmm. to see like i don't know a pawn giving you a high five or something this time around i don't know exactly what the hell's going on there but I mean, they were fo- uh, focusing on like a lot of faces being shown off and stuff like that. It's like, all right, it looks good. Sarah, are you a Dragon's Dogma queen? Okay. No. Okay, but you could be. You seem open to it in your I heart. I could of be. I think I would play this one. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm curious about uh, that. I don't think they showed a date or anything for this, or a couple of kind of big cryptic ones where they weren't getting the specifics on when exactly this thing's coming. But other than that, it was a lot of 2023. It was a lot of 2024 for a lot of these trailers out there. Uh, Leo, what do you want to talk about most, man? Uh, yeah, I guess Snake Eater. Good. Just for the, the seal that rips mm-hmm. off of, of that franchise being around. It's, oh my God. What a ridiculous thing. Do you want to walk us through this trailer, man? We open on a single ant. <laughs> walking <laughs> clop, clop 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 little ant sound effects right. and suddenly there's it joins a group of other ants bird picks up the ant flies around flies through a thing uh the stream cut out i go close stream i go open stream again uh-huh. because it wasn't working in discord yeah. uh, this, uh, we're looking at a new creature now and now we're in the water and then there's snake he pops out we we joke that it's going to be a generic soldier guy but it's actually a soldier guy we like yeah it's like the most generic <laughs> soldier guy that we have a deep found respect for that was i i regret making a quip in that moment because genuinely this is this is the good stuff man this is like heart genuinely skipped a beat and blood pressure raised is that a good thing like my my heart was still <laughs> racing throughout the next trailer i'm just thinking back to like god it it's so exciting to have something happening with metal gear again that's not them trying to continue the story forward which i understand is complicated but like just them opening the door to doing more remakes 
Um, and so it says, hey, PS5 game at the end of this. Um, and then the other weird thing is at the very end, uh, they said that they're making the Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume 1. And that's coming in autumn 2023. And that has Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, and 3 in it. Because there's been such a hullabaloo about like those digital versions getting taken down from good old games and going back up, yada, yada, yada. What's going on with these? But it's wild that apparently in this fall, we're going to be able to play 1, 2, and 3 on PS5. Yeah, it's kind of, it's almost a more boring place to start. But it's like, I really want to know what they're going to do to those. Like, are they just going to be kind of HD up reses are they going to like change the controls are they going to you know like modernize them in any way or are they just going to kind of be like the same ports that we had on the ps3 yeah sarah just yes. as a friend i want you to know anytime you drop something on the podcast you're allowed to pick it up i'm sorry i was so sad okay <laughs> <laughs> i um, wanted that yeah i i don't know jacob like you know there's that idea of like it was taken down from digital storefronts because there was like live action footage and people were assuming it was something with the rights to that. So I wonder if they would make subtle tweaks like that of like, oh, they lost the rights to some live action clip that's in Metal Gear Solid 2. So I don't know if it's going to be that level of changes. Um, I'd imagine it'll just be. God, I mean, for two, you just get rid of like the pressure sensitive stuff uh, from the controller, just like those types of tweaks. But it's probably just going to be like, you know, HD version, just playable on PS5. Weren't there lawsuits around the theme of Metal Gear Solid 2? Has that been handled already? Well, it's that weird thing of, I don't think there were lawsuits, but it was the idea that there's the old Russian song called Winter's Road that sounds so much like the Metal Gear Solid theme. But I don't remember seeing anything about lawsuits, but I remember there was that awesome clip where it's Kojima like listening to the Winter's Road song for presumably the first time you get to see his face just like wait what because like during the interview somebody's just like hey listen to this song and you get to see him realize like oh god so my headcanon at least is that ever since that moment then like they haven't really leaned into the main middle year solid theme which is primarily just pushed in two um so i don't know god that would be disastrous wouldn't it? if the remakes came out it's like imagine middle year solid 2 without the main theme like oh yeah but we can't focus on potential negative things because Naked Snake is back, I guess is a better way to put it. Um, you can't say that on YouTube. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Jacob, help me. We're saying Metal Gear Solid Delta? Delta, I think. Okay, because they're not saying three for the remake here. Uh, probably because yeah, they don't want to turn a, people off? I don't know. It's a weird thing because it's like, you know... Metal Gear Solid 3 is largely disconnected from the story of 1 and 2, so it's not, like, it It makes more sense, I guess, than remaking, like, 2 yeah. or, or 4. Um, but it is, I mean, it's, like, it's kind of the same thing as remaking Silent Hill 2 without remaking Silent Hill 1. Like, it's kind of weird to just jump halfway through the series to, like, the one that everyone agrees is super good uh yeah and I, but yeah i don't know i mean it does you know it makes sense to start there like it is a pretty enclosed story unlike every other metal gear thing yeah and there have been rumors about this chronologically yeah. it's first right mm-hmm. yeah so maybe um, they're trying to redo the the order yeah could be and then we'll get to portable ops portable ops comes after that right logically yeah and um, fans have been just like knocking down their door saying, please give us portable ops. We need portable ops. We don't know if it's canon anymore, please. Um, yeah. And the weird thing with this is like they did 
they redid the cutscenes from Lucas Solid Three for the Pachinko Machine. If you remember, and there was like it was in the Fox engine. You can see that it looks mm-hmm. amazing. I feel like ever since that, there have been rumors so long that like Konami really wants to remake three, three of all things. This thing's going to be happening, so it's amazing to finally see it, even if no date given to the remake. And I'm trying to see exactly how they phrase it because I'm still curious to see what kind of exclusive this would be. Like, how much did they lock it down? But I mean, this is this is yeah, this is the good E3 stuff. Is the Return of Metal Solid finally? So. It's just, I mean, it's just like, what are they going to, you know, how much is going to change? Are they going to yeah. change the script? Are they going to change? You know, it's like modernizing the gameplay, I feel like, is kind of okay. They can do that. Yeah. But the more, I guess I want to know, like, how much Kojima weirdness are they going to take out of it now that they don't have to appease him anymore? <sighs> Star Mid in the backstage pass chat says, in math, Delta is literally used to mean change. Oh, wow. okay. To think about. That is something for all of us to think about. That is, yeah, it is weird to have it be like, you know, some bad blood between a publisher and the creator and now the creator leaves. Like how much of that original vision do they retain in this? I think they're probably going to be a lot more faithful than we would think. Uh, sorry, I was just looking at Kojima's Twitter to see if he had tweeted Ooh, anything yeah. about it. And uh, of course he has not. He tweeted lunch, which is uh, a picture of a Sprite and a thing of noodles and what look like Freddie Mercury action figures uh, in the past hour, but nothing about the remake. God damn. All right. I'm so curious. He wants everyone to know that he's completely unbothered by this. It doesn't right. even cross yeah, I, his He's mind. not even mad. Just he's casual. too busy making what? Death, Death Stranding 2? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't be bothered with it. And his weird Xbox game eventually. Um. God, yeah, I guess the star of the show for me is Snake Eater. After that, I'm sure there's little stuff that I'm forgetting about, but uh, I mean, it seems like Spider-Man 2 was uh, was the biggie. That's what they closed this whole thing off with. Um, wild that they showed that much gameplay of this whole thing. It was surprising. It's like, just here's a huge set piece. Feels like a, just a classic E3 style thing. But I guess first they teased... Mm-hmm. With just another shot in the jungle, very cryptic, and then, hey, it turns out Craven the Hunter is going to be in this game, and he's going to New York City, and he's trying to hunt down Spider-Man and all the villains there, and so it seems like he's going for Kurt Connors, the lizard, and then Spider-Man's trying to stop him, but then also stop the lizard, because the lizard is growing out of control, and then that's where we're locked in and ready to go. Sarah, Spider-Man 2, what popped for you? Give me the hits. Um... I liked all the pedestrians that were absolutely eating it yep. during the entire chase scene. Mm-hmm. Just I don't absolutely unfortunate. I don't know how they live in that world. It seems like a rough world to be in. Yeah, you seem to be very hung up on the superhero logic of everything being shown. I here. do get really hung up on superhero <laughs> logic. Like the, I didn't know there were two Spider Mans. I'm completely like oh, not a Sarah. part of the superhero world. I don't live in it. I don't visit it. Mm. So now there's like there's two Spider Mans. One of them's a baddie, but, like, also still a good guy, but he's also, like, partially a baddie. Right. And now there's, like, a bunch of villains, and there's a guy hunting the villains, also hunting the Spider-Men's. Mm-hmm. But they're mm-hmm. together. They're working together. That's and right. there's a guy that has a drone, but sometimes they explode the drone. Right. As a weapon. Like, but he's not a superhero. He's just a guy with a drone. Yeah. That looks well, like a hawk. Yeah. I mean, if you're clear- oh, you do get it. Yeah, is that, is that correct? <laughs> Superhero 101. I mean, it's just basically the only thing you need to know is that Spider-Man, th- Spider-Man 2 is Spider-Man 3 now, I guess is kind of the high-level <laughs> takeaway that you could just kind of 
so the point is, this demo, the big thing is Spider-Man, as we know him and love him, Peter Parker, uh, he is fully enveloped by the symbiote, which they teased in that first teaser trailer that Venom is going to be in this thing. And it's wild to jump from, like, Venom's in this game to, like, the next time we see Peter Parker, he's just fully in the symbiote suit, and he seems to have shades of evil like it seems to be corrupting his soul like that's the big tease at the end is miles morales talking to him and being like oh he's never like that yeah Um, i didn't think about that they're both playable and it makes sense now watching that that like the way they're doing a symbiote story is you gradually lose control of peter and then you have to like fight him as miles which is a really cool way to do it oh like i hope they kill peter at the end and you're there's only miles left do you think well there's no way that they do that but do you think that it'll be switching between the two whenever you want like, if you're in the open world, you can do it? Or is it just certain moments in the set pieces you're going to be swapping and that's how they're structuring it? Well, Ultimate Spider-Man for Xbox, it was at set times in the story. You'd have a little bit to play as Venom, a little bit to play as Spider-Man. So they're probably going to do it like that. Okay, look to the I feel, I feel like it's, like, first half you'll be able to... Oh, Sarah? <laughs> Sarah? Sarah, yes? I just want to ask, is this the first game Spider-Man to be able to fly? Uh, well, he has a wingsuit. Uh, let's say yes. Because uh, um, they were like, a, I felt like the flying was getting a little abused. Like, what's the point of like swinging when you can just wingsuit? Right. It was crazy. He was wingsuiting for so far. He wasn't integrating it into his swinging. He was just flying down the street. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought that those rings he was flying through were like giving him a boost. Like I, that felt yeah. level specific to me. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It is. It is wild to be like, well, the swinging was. Far and away, the highlight of the last game, we all love it. Now let's change it in a big way or give you the option of just gliding around if you really want to with a very uh, lucky glide. Um, the part I was trying to think about, it's, it's an interesting, weird thing of like giving you the ability. It's not co-op, but Miles Morales is in this game, uh, Peter Parker's in this game, and swapping between them. Uh, because at GDC this last year, um, was it this last year? Yeah, I think it was. Where I went to a talk... And it was somebody from Insomniac talking about the lessons from Rift Apart. And obviously the big challenge there is like, okay, we have Rivet and we have Ratchet now. And you're swapping between those two characters. But originally they had completely different movesets and equipment. And they realized like, this is, this is such a mess. Players hate it. It's confusing. We can't do it. So eventually it got to the point of like, eh, Ratchet and Rivet, same weapons. It doesn't make sense logically, but don't worry about it. Also, same move set. Don't worry about it. It won't be like, oh, I loved having that move, and now I can't have it because I'm rivet instead of ratchet. And so it's weird for the takeaway from that game to be like, oh, thank God we unified those two play styles. And now Insomniac's making the Spider-Man game where presumably we're going to have pretty wildly different move sets for the two characters. And I wonder if it's that would maybe lead me to believe that it is going to be more of a set thing story-wise when you're swapping between the characters because if you can just do it on the fly over and over again, it might be too much for a player to remember and handle. And then they could probably structure the story better, which is probably their big emphasis here is having that slow disintegration of Peter's goodwill or whatever, Leo. Yeah, my dream is you're out in the open world doing your thing and you get like a text from Peter that's like something's going down right now. You better switch to me, and then you switch to. Him. <laughs> I I up. hope I'm controlled right now. Yeah. Uh, can I say my concern is that I uh, hope they leave some money in the world for the rest of us because uh, yeah. <laughs> this game looks like the most expensive thing I've ever seen. It is ridiculous. I mean, that entire final set piece where they have like the two Spider Men swinging around, and you know the alley oop sequence. Like, all right, let's just do the alley oop, and then it's just 
them swirling around all this different, you know, geometry and whatnot, like that just seemed wildly complex. It is ridiculous. Speaking of budget, the like specific jet ski takedown animations. Yes. Like having mm-hmm. multiple of those for no, presumably just, something they'll never do again. There's like more animation in just like one second of gameplay footage. It's like more yeah. different things are happening simultaneously than like most games entire run through. Yeah, it is truly ridiculous. Um, Leo, we're, we're excited about Venom. We like the symbiote story. I know everyone dunks on Spider-Man 3, but now everyone's nostalgic enough about it where it's like, yeah, you know what? A storyline of Peter Parker getting corrupted. We're on board for it. Is that the take? That's approximately the take. Okay. Yeah, I, okay. I like Spider-Man 3 watching it recently. It's it's fun to see a really like a hero turn into a huge ass. <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right. Instead of just being, you know, quirky fun guy all the time. Yeah. It's it's a little more challenging for the viewer. I wonder if he's already at this level of assitude, like in the gameplay trailer, it feels like this is pretty early on. They're still trying to reckon with Craven the Hunter coming to the city and whatnot. Like, how long can they stretch that out? Is it gonna be like at the halfway point he's gonna be purified, then they can focus fully on Venom? I don't I don't know if that's like a full game of just watching him slowly descend when we know it doesn't seem like there's very many surprises there, you know? Like, all right, we've seen yeah. Spider-Man 3. We kind of know exactly where this is going, roughly, for his attitude, at least, you know? But, He's yeah. going to keep making jokes about Spider-Cop, but now we'll understand that it's problematic and, uh, you know, indicative of a negative personality trend. Interesting take. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man 2, uh, God, they did have a release date at the end of it, right? I know it was, like, fall 2023, I guess is what they're saying. And they also told us to be greater together, so... So I'm going to keep in mind, everybody. Uh, what else we got? Shout it out. What's exciting? Whatever we covered. Alan the Wake. PlayStation st- oh, Alan okay. Wake. Okay. Um, all right. We're going for Alan Wake. But Sarah, I note that and I respect that. And we're going to get to that. Um, Alan Wake 2. Uh, didn't expect to see it here. Uh, are you a big Alan Wake fan, Jacob? Not. I, I'm not a fan of the game, but I am a fan of just like the property. Like I like the <laughs> I like the weirdness and I like remedy. Yeah. Um, and so like even though I don't enjoy playing the first one very much, I am like very excited for this game. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it seems like the big takeaway is you're playing as more than just Alan Wake. There's like a FBI agent who you're controlling, also investigating this weird world, which is a surprise. Then also they fully have uh, Sam Lake in there. Uh, head of Remedy, but who is kind of the face model, is the face model for Max Payne, but in this doesn't seem like he's playing Max Payne, presumably, even though there's so many Remedy interconnected world nonsense things. Seems like he's just another random FBI agent or something in there. Uh, I think. Although for I, now. It, for now. Could uh, be a twist. That's right. And so their big pitch, if you remember from the reveal trailer for Alan Wake 2, is that like, hey, we're leaning into the survival horror aspect for this. So... You know how we talk about why aren't more games like Resident Evil 4? Do you think this has a chance of being in that wheelhouse for some people, Jacob, where like the hype for Resident Evil 4 this year can carry over into Alan Wake 2 and make people be like, all right, over-the-shoulder stuff, survival horror, this is close enough? Uh, no. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I think Resident Evil 4 is so mechanical, and my guess is that this is not going... Like, I think this is going to be a big narrative game. I, yeah. think, I think you're going to be, like, watching a lot of cool cutscenes, which I'm fine with, I'm excited for, but, like... You know, I, I, I don't I don't think we're going to be like 
the gameplay of Alan Wake 2 is revolutionary. I think it's going to be, you know, like it was cool when that scene happened. Yeah, but uh, it's wild. It's coming out uh, October, October 17th of 2023 is what they're saying for Alan Wake 2. So good on Remedy for cranking this stuff out. Also good on Remedy for staying independent. Like whenever I think of just like all the independent studios falling, I always just think back to like Remedy's still in it, still putting up the good fight. Haven't been purchased. That's truly wild in this day and age. Um, now, Sarah, yeah, maybe the biggest surprise of this whole freaking show uh, is what you wanted to talk about. I feel like everyone's just glossing over it. Yes. They even glossed over it in the yes. show. Yes. Like, is everyone <laughs> just so used to PlayStation reskinning Steam technology as their own and then just like slapping it onto the marketplace? Like, what is going on? <laughs> okay, well, this well, is it's remote play only. So this is the thing. So it's, oh. yeah, which they had and, on Vita already. Yeah, it's like remote play exists. Already. Okay, so what this is, is a Project right. Q is what they revealed. Didn't really give an official title to this thing, but it is something that leaked where it just looks like a DualSense controller, but then it kind of just has an 8-inch screen in between the sticks. <laughs> so it looks it's so it's so weird looking. It looks like a bad Photoshop. I swear I saw like a fake this is what the PS5 controller is going to look like a year before it came out that looked exactly like this. Really? Hey, they made a Wii U. <laughs> basically yeah so the idea is it's not gonna be able to play games on the go fully because you need wi-fi uh so you need to have that wi-fi connection because then it's just a more convenient way to have remote play which is interesting because it wasn't that long ago that playstation partnered with backbone it's like two years ago maybe to have like the official playstation backbone support and this is kind of just that it kind of just feels like you're putting a phone in the middle of your controller uh, to play this thing but then they also revealed that they had playstation earbuds official playstation earbuds that they're also that was weird. rolling I out here i feel like i would make fun of someone if they were walking around with playstation earbuds in. yeah you just finally i can send someone a picture of my ear yeah so if you <laughs> see sarah coming um take out your earbuds or you will get take um, out your playstation earbuds unless you want a swirly uh from sarah and she will tackle you we promise um so yeah i'm curious it is it was just weird framing it was it's weird not to have an official name it's weird to keep it mysterious other than saying it's coming later this year. Like in terms of hardware announcements seem to be like as low key as possible. And maybe that's what they didn't want to yeah. hype it up. They don't want people to think like this is the new Vita. And so like, what can they do on their end to keep it low key? I guess. I think I'm it. ready for a new Vita though. So they should just do that. Okay. That's an option. Uh, the other hardware thing, I guess is uh, they had a bunch of PSVR two games. Uh, VR heads. Everybody here is nuts about VR. What'd you think? Anything uh, grab your interest? I hope Resident Evil 4 remake VR comes to other platforms. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it, it won't, but I, I hope it does too. <laughs> yeah, that's the big thing, is they showed gameplay for Resident Evil 4 VR, and if you're confused, you should be, because this is the PSVR 2 version of Resident Evil 4 VR, not to be confused with Meta's version, slash Oculus, slash Facebook's version of Resident Evil 4 VR, which came out just, was that last year? Two years ago. Two years ago, um, which was a remake of the original game into VR. So now, like, that version locked away on Oculus is going to be just a weird anomaly of, like, if you want to play the original version of Resident Evil VR, or Resident Evil 4, but in HD, but in VR, you go to that. But then this is for the new version of Resident Evil, but in VR. It's complicating the Resident Evil 4 lifespan in a in a wild way, but, I mean more than we all expected for them to lean this hard into VR and just show us basically the opening of the game in this thing? 
Yeah, the par- knife parrying in VR looked interesting. Like right. the fact that that combat is that robust, that much transfers over. I'm, I'm they physically of, were just holding a knife and physically like struck it out at the attack. You know, right. Wasn't a button. I'm kind of curious if like is the RE engine just built to like make VR transfers really easy? Yeah. You know, because it's like I, I any VR transfer seems very difficult, but just the fact that like it kind of doesn't seem like anyone was like begging for this and they're like Resident Evil 8 all in VR. Resident Evil 4 now seems like, you know, when they first announced it, it kind of seemed like a like a mini game or something. And now it really does seem like it's also going to be the whole game in VR. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I am super excited about it. I I like I like that the player was essentially dual wielding in the trailer because right. that was one of the fun things about the quest version is you could you could do things you couldn't in the normal version. Yeah, I, I would just love to know, like, did they talk to what armature was the studio that did the oculus quest version like are they comparing notes because we still the big thing is we don't see cut scenes in this and i think in the last version it kind of just went and showed like i ah, just watching it like on a movie screen basically for all the cut scenes right i i think that's gonna that's that's just what it's going to be i right. think because like you the thing about vr is you can't have you can't move the player around too much without you having like being in control of it because that's when it gets super nauseating. And so cutscenes are almost always just movie screen. Yeah. Yeah. And they'd have to like build out the, the back of you and pay more attention to that. I feel like they can do a lot of cheating in regular cutscenes of like hiding things or, you know, putting a ton of detail into right. What's going to be shown and nothing in anything else. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I look forward to the conversion, the easy conversion of Exo primal Jacob coming from that RE engine. Just everything <laughs> made in there is just going to be ready to go. Um, yeah, this was, a lot of people in the chat are screaming that they're disappointed that there wasn't um, the Half-Life Alex announcement that that's coming to PSVR 2. I mean, it, it feels like that's just, is this the new Half-Life 3? Is us just all anticipating the announcement of Half-Life Alex coming to PSVR 2? It's like, it's right there. Sony knows it's right there. It seems like the number one most requested piece of software. Like, I don't know. Maybe there's a certain number of people who would go for that versus just like another Horizon Call of the Mountain equivalent of like a Sony IP but like a lighter version of it ported. Like I'd rather have a big meaty VR experience that I know is good that I haven't had an opportunity to play yet, like Half-Life Alex. But I was, you know, if you came to this press conference and the showcase for PSVR 2 stuff, uh, you might want to keep holding your breath. It wasn't great. Resident Evil VR looks great. Arizona, Arizona Sunshine 2 was announced. That was a big thing. A uh, big game when that came out originally. Crossfire Sierra Squad. It seemed pretty forgettable. Uh, Synapse. It's kind of another first-person shooter, but in the black-and-white world, seems a little interesting conceptually. And then Beat Saber, they showed off, now available, and there's a Queen music pack. But is anybody... Did this change anybody's meter for PSVR 2, I guess, is the takeaway? I just want to, like, pet a cow in VR. Like... I get, I get, I get that guns are I'm fun. I'm sorry. Did you, did you, did, I'm sorry. You must have cut out. Did you mean to say shoot a cow? No. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there has to be more to life in VR than this. I'm so Please. with you. Yes, it is weird. Yeah, I guess they got Beat Saber for like if you don't like shooting, hope you like Queen. You can dance. <laughs> like flailing your arms. Uh, yeah. I mean, they had a couple of wholesome games throughout this thing, but it seems like the PSVR market for what they're emphasizing right now is just kind of shooter, shooter, shooter. Um, uh, we saw Talos Principle Two. Yeah, which the first one was a really great puzzle game, and that eventually came to VR. 
So right. I wonder if there's any future there. Well, they think if there is, they would have shown it. It doesn't say at the end of the trailer, at least, like PSVR compatible. It could be compatible. post-launch like the first one was or like the Resident Evils have been, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the trailer is definitely cool. Um, I didn't play Tales Principle. I knew it as like, hey, people thought it was another kind of portalish clone, but then people said, oh, no, actually, this is above and beyond. This is really good. Um, what is the takeaway for Tales Principle? I just remember it being a really cool vibe. It was so long ago now. Was it like 2017, 2016? Yeah. But yeah, like cool voiceover philosophizing while you're doing your unique little puzzles. Puzzles that felt uh, interesting okay. at the time. Yeah, the the trailer, it's cool just to see a puzzle game presumably get this big of a budget. Like it really, the trailer I thought looked great for this thing. Um, let's see, other, other big hits. Um, there was a whole bungee block that by God, we should probably talk about because it seemed to be yeah. pretty important. They're making marathon. Good Lord. What a weird thing. So there are rumors for so long. Okay, this entire track, I'm trying to figure out exactly how this all interconnects because years and years ago, uh, it was announced that like, hey, Bungie got a huge investment from NetEase, uh, the Chinese publisher, and it was like a $100 million investment to make a new IP or to make a new game. I think they pitched it as a new IP within Bungie. And so for years now, it's been like, when is this other project going to be shown? When is this other project going to be shown? And so I don't know if that morphed into this or that was another thing. And maybe that went away once Sony bought Bungie. Uh, confusing. Uh, but yeah, at Marathon. Uh, Leo, did you play Marathon as the King of the Mac? Sure didn't. I think I played maybe the free trial when they re-released it on Xbox Live Arcade. Okay. All right. We're getting there. So Marathon, beloved first-person shooter uh, from Bungie back in the day that was huge on Mac. And now it's back. Bungie is making this. And like the director of this is Christopher Barrett, who's been with the Destiny series for a long time. He was the director for... Uh, Destiny 2. So it seems like it is a it is a big focus, big talent at the top of this thing within Bungie, but then... But it's a multiplayer extraction shooter. Right. That's using Marathon's name. Yeah. And presumably some things about it. But I don't know. People, I don't, don't want people to get excited that it's a remake if they like the first one. Right, right. So if you take the world of Marathon and kind of reimagine it just as a PvP extraction shooter which of course has to be why why am i blanking on the name of that game the big one the extraction shooter uh tarkov tarkov yeah escape from tarkov like all the other publishers are kind of catching up to the brilliance of that and you know you get call of duty mode taken for it going for it now we have sony i guess through bungie going for the extraction shooter um is it doing it for you jacob i mean it's it's tough because like the art direction is so good. Yeah. You know, like yeah. like watching that trailer, the number one takeaway is like, God, no one does sci-fi quite like Bungie, you know? Like, and so and so then it is disappointing to me that it's like, well, this art direction is going to exist in like a game that I probably don't want to play that much. You yeah. know, it's like I do. I, I I just I just want like another Halo campaign. I want I want them to make like a primarily single player campaign that you can do co-op. And it just seems like they're not, you know, I guess that's destiny now, but I don't want to play a living game. And so yeah. it's, it, you know, it, it's just the the bungee that I want seemingly doesn't exist anymore. And so they have immense talents and they're going towards things that I, I'm just not that excited about. Yeah. Uh, people are in the chat are saying Marathon is multi-platform. 
Oh, that's interesting. Because definitely in like the wording, when Sony bought Bungie, they were very much like, hey, we want to stay as independent as we can. We're a separate entity that's just technically owned by Sony and stuff. So that'll be interesting to see how they launch that whole thing. Uh, cool. They also showed uh, the next big expansion for Destiny 2, the final shape. Um, and they'll be going more into that in the future. But it looks like Cade 6 is alive again. So everybody, there was much rejoicing. Um, yeah. Then in this whole section, they went right into a game called Concord. Concord, everybody, which is interesting because it was right after the Destiny stuff, and it is some leads from Destiny. Uh, Pete Ellis, is that his name? Um, that left a while ago. They started this new studio, uh, the former president of uh, ugh, Harold Ryan, who's the CEO of Bungie. Ugh, I'm forgetting his exact title. Anyways, a bunch of Bungie people left a while ago, started working on a new IP. Apparently, it's called Concord, and the reason that this should be a little more on your radar is this is a studio that then Sony recently purchased. So they now own Firewalk Studios, and this was the grand debut of their new game, Concord, and I guess it's coming to PS5 and PC in 2024. Um, And that was an interesting theme running throughout some of this, is like the new IP that they showed uh, that's owned by Sony, like it was announced as also coming to PC. So I'm curious if that means day and date, and that's going to be the kind of the push for Sony moving forward. Like they released um, some... Uh, corporate slides and stuff recently Sony did and just emphasizing that they definitely want to grow uh, the PC side of things quite a bit moving into the future Um, and then also you know this is some dorky stuff but if you want to read through these business slides it is interesting just to see they have graphs of like here's how much we're making based on hardware software uh, add-on content within games DLC and living game style thing and if you look at that projection they move it out through like the next five years and it's just the amount that they plan on making from dlc and in-game transactions all this stuff is just bigger and bigger and bigger so it kind of it's a little worrying there's still going to be plenty of new opportunities (laughs) for you know single player sony stuff in there but you know them and the messaging of we want to get into the living game business more than we have in the past uh seems to be shown directly in that type of data but the other big thing uh that they kicked off the whole press conference with uh, was their other new IP from Haven, which is a studio that is headed up by Jade Raymond, who was the producer for uh, Assassin's Creed. I'm scrubbing through trying to find this thing. So she was the producer for Assassin's Creed. Then she was at EA Motive for a long time, working on a new IP that eventually was uh, rejected or fell apart at EA. And then she left and started Haven, the studio in Montreal, which then was notable because much like Firewalk, Sony then came in and they were supporting the project and they said, actually, we'll just go ahead and buy you. We just we need studios that are going to be making multiplayer-focused games in the future, um, something that can be a quote-unquote a living game. Um, and so let's go ahead and purchase Haven. And so this is another Sony first-party new IP that they kicked the whole thing off with. And it's called Fair Games, but the S at the end is a dollar sign. And the verdict is, Sarah. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, Leo, how would you describe fair games? Uh, very Gen Z, very yeah. uh, eat the rich uh-huh. uh, or take their money at least. So you're the rich guy instead. Yeah, but just kind of in aesthetics, right? Like right. that stuff is all just in the trailer where they say eat the rich. Yeah, eat yeah. eat the rich's money, but then poop it out, but don't digest it too much so you can still use their money, I think is kind of the takeaway. And the tagline, of course, for this uh, game is 
take it till you make it. Um, I like that. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting. It kind of has a payday like vibe, but a lot more fancy high end tech happening here for fair games. Gadgets. Yeah. Uh, you're electrocuting some water or electrifying some water that electrocutes people. Yeah. So they have a post up on the PlayStation blog and they're emphasizing in that short little post um, what they're emphasizing with the new IP back at Motive when that was being developed. They really want it to be a creative expression for players, multiplayer focus, but that they are calling Fair Games a quote, emergent sandbox experience. Uh, so the words are there um, and it, there <laughs> seems like there's some cool tech in there. I don't know. I don't know if anyone was lit up in a big way saying, hell yeah, fair games. I can't wait to see what comes next. Jacob, am I wrong? Am I being too harsh on fair games for its big debut? I I, I just don't know who sees this trailer and is like, yes. That's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I sorry to be mean to like the development studio, but it's just like, I just don't need one of these. I don't, you know, like I don't, there's not a this game shaped hole in my life and I'm not sure who feels that way. Yeah, it is. I mean, you look at the sales of Payday, there is that audience out there. Um, yeah, I they're mean, playing if, if Payday. They sh- yeah. If they showed gameplay that really spoke to you, I think like with a child, your life would open up and make room. That's right. That's, That's right. true. And I hope That's you take true. that lesson. Uh, and can I tell you what did make uh, room or I made room for? I would prefer if we saw film game. <laughs> Yes. Square Enix foam game. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be blasting foam <laughs> with my. I would rather play the Square Enix foam game, like their foam party Splatoon, than this like Gen Z Rob Elon Musk game. Yeah. <laughs> careful, <laughs> careful about the foam stuff. All right, I'm gonna be playing and loving that game in six months, and then mourning its death in six and a half. Months. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, this is Foam Stars. It's a Square Enix joint that was shown here. Sarah, what's the easy shorthand for Foam Stars? How would you describe this high concept? It, it's basically just like Splatoon, but what if it was with bubbles and the bubbles stacked? <laughs> right. Yep, that's it, everybody. Uh, I guess it's cool to see Square Enix making a big push uh, on PlayStation here, them being shown in a big new way and showing off new IP and stuff. But um, you immediately, not to harken back too much to your past, but you immediately thought of Ninjala, a game that you worked oh, on. Oh, it that- 100% looks like Ninjala, it, which was a... Battle Royale with a bunch of kids who would turn bubblegum into ninja weapons. Uh-huh. And you could, like, shoot it. It was, like, a bunch of different weapons or bubblegums. It was, like, an arena game, Battle Royale. And it's, like, I don't know how many of these, they're, like, the world is going to try to keep making before they, like, learn their lesson, you and, know? And the lesson is you just, you can't, you can't take down Splatoon. I don't think it's sustainable. It doesn't seem sustainable at all. But yeah. it looks fun, so I hope it works out for them. Yeah, here's hoping. Uh, foam Stars is the name of this yeah. thing. It looks like the piles of foam really like shape the map as you're playing. Right. That is a compelling angle to me, since I love the destruction and siege so much. Yeah, yeah. The map creation that happens. Uh, and of course, Foam Stars, the tagline is... Well, I don't know if it's a tagline, but they end the trailer with Joan, Join the Foam Blasting Frenzy. Um, so everybody can look forward to that. Foam, everybody! It's the new it thing! Um, action. Real quick, uh, it doesn't need to be real quick, I guess, but they showed a new trailer for Plucky Squire, which is a game that I think was revealed last year in the Summer Game Fest, um, but it looks so damn good. This is the game from James Turner, who was the art director for the Pokemon series for a very long time. Uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield, I guess, was the first one that he was full-blown art director, but he's been on that art team for a long time. Um, and this is the one that 
looks incredible where you play as it kind of looks Link to the Past, Link's Awakening style perspective, but you're in a book and then you can pop out of that book and then you're the 3D character roaming around the house and it's just full on uh, Chibi Robo, Sarah. Mm-hmm. I feel like putting this trailer against all these other like space shooters was kind of like doing it a disservice. <laughs> you know, like it did hit right 30 minute mark to kind of give you like a brush of fresh, like fresh air, but like I don't know. I just feel like all the other like games just kind of piled on top of it. And it's just, I don't know. I feel like it would do better on like a Nintendo Direct or something. Yeah. But then again, I mean, if it didn't have it, you would have tuned out. Like you can only see so many sci-fi guns uh, before you I do feel like they were like using the indies as like buffers. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Strategically spacing out the color here and there. Like, hey, here's some anime looking warriors. Check it out, everybody. Uh, but yeah, Plucky Squire, they said it's coming out 2023. It it looks ridiculously good. I, I It's one of my most anticipated games this at this year's point. This year's Tinykin? I the think. game that we're all like, secretly, this is my number four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it has that chance. Uh, what did we miss, Jacob? What stands out to you? Uh, I, like, I like the wall running block uh, where we got to see Ghost Runner 2 followed by Phantom Blade Zero. Right. Uh, just two, two kind of ninja games. One, a sci-fi ninja ghost runner is like a kind of a speed running first person uh, action platformer. Uh, Very cool game Two looked cool as well. And then Phantom Blade, uh, really no idea what this game is. I tried Googling it. There's like no information. The website only has screenshots of it, but it was a very cool looking trailer of just like a guy running on walls and doing ninja stuff. Yeah, at first it's like, okay, is this going to be another Souls-like experience? But it the action seems so intense, maybe more of a Sekiro vibe here. But it seems more that like there's a part where it's like an action sequence and you're in a cart and stuff. It definitely, I think, was one of the biggest surprises of the show is just how good it looked. But I'm very curious to see where this development team is coming from. Um, and Sarah, this is the one where you have 66 days to live and they're going to remind you at every opportunity oh, that you only yeah. have 66 days to live. Yeah. Thank you. I, they are, so they start to blend together, and I just feel like you're making up names at this point. Yep. No, this is Phantom Blade Zero. It's 100% a real name of a I real video game. I feel like game. you can make up a game and like be like, did you like that one in the direct, Sarah? And I'd be like, yeah, I thought that <laughs> looked really cool. You loved <laughs> Ultros. But it was no Sword of the Sea, was it? Uh, but yeah, Phantom Blade Zero, they say yeah, PS5 seems like a lot about masks and stuff like that, but uh, I guess we should talk about Sword of the Sea real quick. That's from uh, Giant Squid, the Abzu team, and from they also made The Pathless. And it seems like more than ever, even though I thought this was their messaging for all their previous games, but the messaging for this trailer at least seemed to be like, hey, do you like Journey? Because the art director came over here and this game looks Journey as hell uh, for Sword of the Sea. Did you like their other games, Jacob? Um, I kind of feel like they're pretty and a little empty. Yeah. You know, like, like playing Abzu, I'm like, this just kind of doesn't have the, the journey juice. Uh, and that is how I felt about some of their other ones. So it's like, I'm, I'm always still happy to have more games like this in the world. Uh, like I'll definitely, I'll play it, but it's, uh, there is, there is some like je ne sais quoi that, that, it's like just looking similar does not uh, give the game whatever. Right, right. But it's called Sword of the Sea. Um, also, another big surprise is uh, a new Helldivers, uh, which is wild. Didn't see that coming back, but it's from the same developers with Arrowhead. I think their name was. If you remember, Helldivers was a co-op game 
was PS4s, early PS4, I do believe. Um, isometric. Now this one, it's going to be third person. Looks a little Returnal-esque now from just the perspective here. So cool to see uh, that team also stepping up in a big way. But uh, yeah, very Starship Troopers vibe for the trailer, which is confusing because there's also a Starship Troopers game, which I think is in early access now or very soon to be now. But this is something else that's just feeling like the vibe of that. But that's coming in 2023 as well, also on PC. Uh, Leo, I know I'm getting into the problem of running down everything in the show. I feel myself doing yeah, that. You don't have You to. said you weren't going to do that. I said it was the last thing that I wanted to do. But you know what? Hey, Ubisoft revealed the new gameplay for Assassin's Creed Mirage. We should probably hit that up. Uh, coming out October 12th. Uh, Leo, this is the most up your alley thing. Assassin's Creed Mirage. I need your verdict and your verdict alone on this thing. I'm a conscientious objector. I won't be a part of this, Hanson. For we won't being we thorough. won't list all these games. <laughs> yeah, but this is big. Mirage is big. <laughs> it'll be fine. It looks fine. It'll be fine. Okay. It's the whole premise is we're focusing on stealth again, and hopefully it's going to be smaller and yada yada yada. And it's the character from Valhalla. We'll talk about it more, I'm sure, after this summer. Leo, what do you want to talk about, man? How have you been feeling? God, the baby's coming. Your own <laughs> life's about to change. <laughs> you, it is. You think you know how long nine months can be, but I don't know until you have a bun in the oven that you really get to soak in. Like, nine months is a long time. It feels like a lifetime where it's just every day talking about, hey, I think there's a baby coming. I think we should... What else do we need to do to plan for this baby? We need to come up with a name for this baby. It is bizarre how much of just... It's almost a year of just this slow buildup yeah. and uh, extreme discomfort uh, for a certain wife of mine. It's so, a sizable chunk of your life spent having your body transformed. Yeah, it is. It is the weirdest thing in the world. Um, and it feels like one of those things that, hey, we should talk about this more. Hey, society, we should talk about children and What's childbirth that? more. It is a weird all-consuming thing. Um, but look, we don't need to get too much into that, Leo. We can talk about whatever, man. Did Are you-, you filling your freezer with, like, lasagna? Are you doing the, like, six-month meal prep or whatever that people do? Literally, we did that two days ago. It was really <laughs> fun. Like, we made just, like, a ton of, like, breakfast sandwiches and burritos and desserts and just filled the freezer full of it. Um, and do you want to know my comedic skills in this house, Jacob? Oh, yeah. Okay, this is this is what, how I make myself laugh, is like, you know, my wife was very sweet, and she, like, wrote with a Sharpie on every little piece of tinfoil for, like, this is a burrito. This is blah, 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 blah. Uh, and so I just went into the big stockpile today and grabbed one burrito out randomly, and it, it said burrito on it, and then I took the Sharpie, and I wrote cursed on top. <laughs> There's this cursed burrito, and I just went back in there. Like, you know what? Two months from now, this will really make me laugh. <laughs> and that's the best you can do for baby comedy, everybody. Uh, I think I'm going to be on the Giant Bombs voicemail dump truck. It should be out right now. Uh, if you're listening to this or watching this with a bunch of other dads taking voicemails and calls and stuff, talking about dad stuff. And I feel like in a weird way, that'll be the most real this whole child thing gets until the baby comes out is that moment of like oh now i'm like one of those dad podcasters and i get to talk about being a dad with jeff bacalar and patrick klepik like that's that's a different arena you know what i mean you're in a whole new club now right right is it um too much dad stuff sarah what's the right level of like dad stuff and podcast because i know it's like tempting to be like hey i don't know 
know. Yeah. I don't like when it gets too dad. I don't either. Ish in it because it's like I don't really care much for I don't like I have a dad, but I don't really need to. It doesn't really. It's not a personality trait. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't want it to be a part of the personality of Min Max moving forward. It's like now we got dad shows other than the children's show that we debuted last week for Neutral Plus. That's the only <laughs> example that we have in the in the plans. Just something for everyone. Yeah. Um, Leo, you like a game called Kiwi? Yeah, man. <laughs> Kiwi rocks. What Thanks is, for asking. Yeah, what is Kiwi, Leo? Kiwi is in a lot of ways the ultimate couples game. It's a co-op game where you are two little Kiwi birds in in uh, Australia and you're just sorting mail. And it, I couldn't tell from a trailer how fun it is. But we tried it on sale and it is so, so fun. The the idea of sorting mail, they take in so many different directions. And there's like this long campaign where every level is a totally different mechanic you're solving puzzles in. You're cooperating in different ways like we need to type out this message. I got the E. You got the F. What? I got the hit shift. So we end up spelling out this whole letter because you're a little bird running around on a typewriter butt slamming the keys you know that's how you're interacting and this is this is spelled k-e-y-m-e k-e-y-w-e oh right right right. it's kiwi not (laughs) kiwi i'm so (laughs) self-obsessed this is is this uh, just your further crusade of just googling and trying to play every single co-op game to, to really get the the true list of the best stuff out there yeah, pretty much. And this is this is genuinely up there for sure. There's tons of bonus games. Here's one you're guaranteed is going to make you check this out. Oh. There's one that's just popping bubble wrap. Ooh. And different size bubbles are worth different points. And you yeah. just run around and slam your butt on the bubble wrap. That does sound pretty good. There's uh, another one where you play music. It's like a little Guitar Hero thing where you have to run around as the bird and blow into the sousaphone and butt slam the drum. And you're both doing that with two different parts of the same song. And you can only get a gold medal by hitting every single note. And so it was me and my partner, like, over the course of, like, eight sessions. Like, let's try the music one again. Let's see if we can do it. And then there's so many laughs of, like, getting overwhelmed in that game and messing stuff up. It's And there's, like, no gameplay, like, you just walk around and butt slam stuff. There's no requirement for anybody to be good at platforming or yeah. accurate or even to know the buttons. It's no, really. like, it takes my partner two... Where, like, it'd be, like, one partner would, like, have a really easy time, and then they'd be like, look at my partner, like, look at how they struggle yeah. to play basic video games. No, it's totally, totally balanced, and it's so, so cute. There's so many collectible pieces of wardrobe. I have different, you know, summer, winter outfits for my little bird. That's it's a cute. delightful, delightful game. It does seem cute. It's on Steam, PlayStation, and uh, Switch, apparently, but it came out in 2021, Kiwi. Is it um okay, so top tier is still sci-fi gas station? What is that thing called again? Cosmos Quick Stop? Yeah. Where does this rank to that? Yeah, this is right up there. They're okay. both S tier, I think. Okay, but if you had to choose which one was better. Uh ooh, that's tough. Uh, I think my heart sings for Cosmos a little bit more. Okay. I just love the the running a store together fantasy. Yeah. Um speaking of the past. You also can't stop playing Saints Row, so I hear. Yeah, you know, we always say, here's what we're playing this week if you want to talk about it on the podcast, and I didn't say Saints Row because I was ashamed of it, and then right. I said, 
I shouldn't be ashamed. I should stand in my truth. I've played like 15 hours of that game since we last really? talked about it. And Breath of the... Or, sorry, Tears of the Kingdom is out. Yeah. And you keep going back to Saints Row. I keep wanting to play it instead. <laughs> what is it? Tell us what it is. <laughs> you know what it is? Is I was just thinking recently, you know, we all love an idle game now and again. We all love a number go up passively. Right, right, right. Why don't more games integrate that into like a background system? of like this idle game you're adding things that make the number go faster throughout the course of the other stuff you're doing you know as like a metagame progression thing and picking up saints row again i realized that it does that exactly the more stuff you do the more passive income you generate and that's a really fun loop and now that the combat's fun like that is the engine that makes everything else in that game worth doing you know because we were talking about the giant update to the combat thing yeah so you're just turning your brain off having that loop and you just want to shoot stuff yeah, I very much play it like a mobile game on the big <laughs> screen, you know, with a podcast going or whatever. Yeah. Weird. And it's, it's yeah, There's the boss creator is still good. Every once in a while, I'm like, oh, I got some extra money. Let's go in the community and buy Shaggy. And now I'll play as Shaggy for three hours. <laughs> hey, I'm impressed, man. I mean, I don't think many other people are going back to Saints Row with Tears of the Kingdom. Like, I I still am meaning to check out LEGO 2K Drive. You should be impressed Drive. by it. It's because the the addiction to playing it is stronger you know because of the passive income okay all right so is it, okay. if i spent that time playing tears of the kingdom i'd have a more like my i'd have more neurons connecting in my brain <laughs> instead of slowly being dragged apart from each other <laughs> yes it's i'm i'm happy for you man i'm happy you're playing that thank uh, you thank you jacob you want to talk about your freaky little game or your bigger game uh gosh i can't even remember i remember the the smaller one all right that's the bob d Oh, Bob D. Yeah. Um, so Bob D is this game that is it is free on Steam and Itch.io. This was just a random Twitter recommendation that someone said I like this game. And and it's just one of these like weird, weird little games that kind of has stayed in my brain for some reason where it's it kind of has um, it's not low poly, but it has kind of haunted PS1. <laughs> vibes a little bit and yeah. that like the characters look very strange and they talk in this like weird garbled voice and everything is kind of misspelled in a way that I at first thought was like is this like a I, I, I just thought it was like kind of like an Eastern European thing or something but I think it is in fact maybe it is that but I think everything is kind of intentionally just words scrambled around a little bit um, and the whole game is just like you you kind of wake up in an apartment they're like hey go get a ticket to a train uh then the train doesn't have tickets and then you go get a ticket somewhere else and like that's it that's that's the whole game but they have just made this whole kind of soviet brutalist like city block and just the whole thing is open you know it's it's just one of those games where it's like here is a small cityscape and there are no invisible walls. And so there's a lot of like weird platforming and kind of like strange items you can find where I found like a leaf blower. And so if I pointed it down, then I could kind of use it like a jetpack yeah, temporarily to yeah. like blow upward. And it's just like. Because almost there are no objectives, it's just kind of like what's down here and sometimes it's something like weird and interesting. And sometimes it's just like a big space with nothing in it. And I find that kind of compelling. Aha. <laughs> uh -huh. So it came out 
December of 2022. It's sitting at yeah. overwhelmingly positive on Steam. How did you find this thing? How did it get back on your radar? I, I mean, truly just I was like, hey, what's a good indie game you've played? And someone was like, I played Bobby. Um, and and that was it. But it, it's like, yeah, it takes I mean, it's totally a one sitting game, uh, you know, and it's and it's free. Yeah. And there is just this kind of notion of like. It's it's just like it's all there, you know, it's one of those games where it's not it's not a see that see that mountain you could go to a game, but it is that like the top of that skyscraper if you want you can just like you know jankily jump your way up there and you will be able to stand on the top that sounds and good. that is that is interesting yeah <laughs> uh b-a-b-b-d-i for bob d it's in the description for all these timestamps all this stuff if you want to see all these well, i'm games. looking at the trailer for some reason the like big exterior outdoors reminds me so much of like jedi outcast or at least that era. Oh, it's sure. really interesting look. Yeah, I looked at it. My first thought was, "Oh, how fish are made." Uh, it seems seems. I googled stuff. it, and like the link was purple for me. For oh, the so you've link? been there. So before? like, I must have been here before, and I have no memory of it. It was probably for cream of the steam. It probably was, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and now look at it. It's risen above even the cream. Um, Jacob, there's this other game that's called Strayed Lights. Yeah, this almost goes in that um, that same category as sort of the C that we were talking about okay. earlier, where it's a it's a very pretty game. It's got an Austin Wintery soundtrack um, from and Journey. It is, yeah. The difference is that it is pretty combat focused, but the combat is interesting because it is essentially all parrying. And the whole the whole conceit is it's like, um, what is that game? Ikaruga? Yeah. Uh, is that the the shmup where you're changing colors? Yep. So it's like it's like that where it is just like there's orange and blue and enemies will change from orange to blue and you have to be the right color in order to parry them. And like, that's it. You know, there is like yeah. an attack button, but it is almost meaningless because it's kind of like Sekiro and that you're just building up a like stagger meter. And once they're staggered, you can just do a finishing move. Um, God, there's that old and- housemark game that also has that blue... What, Tim, do you remember what is that thing called? Outland? Yeah, Outland also had that, like, uh, orange and blue, just be the right color as you attack enemies type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, because it's so simple, the, like, the bosses are, it is mostly a, like, boss-focused game, and they're, like, really big and fun-looking uh, because it's kind of so mechanically light that, like, they can just have kind of wild animations and the finishing moves on the bosses are are very over the top kind of like anime uh ish and it's like it's very pretty all the way through so yeah. like i didn't find it the most compelling but also it is just like a, a very beautiful game uh that was was fun to spend a couple hours with and it's a couple hours long really so, like how long we're talking uh i Two and a half, three. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So you like it maybe, more? Maybe slightly longer than that. Maybe it's just because I gave you both of these codes, but Stray Lights and After Us, I feel like, are now interchangeable in my brain, but these are pretty different experiences. Uh, after Us, yeah. After Us, six hours. Stray Lights, two hours. That's wow. my how long to beat. <laughs> All right. Stray Lights is available on absolutely everything if you want to check it out there. Uh, Sarah, what are you playing, dude? 
What am I playing? I'm yeah. playing Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. Are you streaming I'm every stuck. time you're playing? No, I have my own game that I'm playing in. Because if I was only doing it when I was streaming, I would have I would get absolutely nowhere in this game. But hang on, is, is, it, is it a different save? Yeah. Ooh, weird. I, I'm not going to stream it all the way through. You know, because okay. that would be ridiculously long. Um, but I like delayed this save. But it's just like I feel like I'm playing three different games when I play Tears of the Kingdom. That's kind of fun to have like. And I'm, it's I'd like I don't know I'm getting like a little frustrated like whenever I try to like focus on something something else that like inevitably steals my attention away. Right. And I like feel like I can't get anything act done in this game. So I don't know. We'll see if I if I make it through. Oh really? Like to the point that you don't like being pulled in a thousand different directions. That's kind of the charm. Is my God, doesn't it do a great job of pulling you a thousand different directions without it does, annoying but it's, you? It's almost too many different directions. Huh. Like. Just point me in, it. and I think a lot of the what I'm realizing the more I play it is a lot of the uh, necessary stuff is kind of like buried and easy to miss mm. as well. Where it's like I do love exploring, but I wish you would, you know, maybe put like an exclamation point on <laughs> some things so I could, you know, ground myself in making progress. Yeah. Did you? Uh, it's interesting though. I mean, Breath of the Wild, the same thing, but you just feel like you've evolved since you played that, and so. Well, I mean, Breath of the Wild doesn't have, like, the building, the underground, the yeah, sky. Yeah. It's, it's, this game is a lot. It is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been pouring so much time into it, like, for the deepest dive. We just put up the second episode, if you want to hear. Jacob Geller joined the crew. Uh, and we unpack basically the northeast part of the map, but then also a ton of just kind of systems talk and gameplay talk. But, man, I've been putting a lot of time into that game. And, like, yesterday was the first time that I was playing it where I was like, I think I might be ready to put this down just for a little bit. Like, I, it's just like things are getting a little bit more difficult. The geography is starting to get a little more complicated to navigate. And it's just that moment of like, I, I have been so eager to shove these Skittles into my mouth for days and days and days. And the first time I was like, you know what? Maybe I've had enough Skittles for today. I just need to cool it a little bit on Tuesday. As much as I'm still loving it. Uh, but, uh, we are going to be coming back for the third episode of the deepest dive on tears of the kingdom. Uh, that's going to be on the fifth. So if you want to help support this entire operation with min max, then also submit your thoughts on the game for us to read during our game club. Uh, that'll be posted on June 4th over on Patreon. You can support us at even the $2 tier. Uh, you can submit something that we'll read on air, something specific, something that uh, really stuck, stood out to you about the game, or you can unlock the podcast version of those huge discussions right in your favorite podcast app right over there on Patreon. Leo? Yes? Do you know how this whole thing operates? The sheer amount of love in the universe comes together? It's the love in the universe. Do you think the universe acknowledges love? Yeah, it I think it's warm. It's got a lot of feelings. Yeah. <laughs> okay, exactly. Does Interstellar hold up? I saw. Well, I, I think you'll be able to appreciate it now uh, because you have kids. Oh, so I've always heard that uh, me not liking it that much was kind of because I like didn't get what it was like to have a child. Right, right, right. Oh my god, so many more avenues. Like, uh, I was thinking about watching Last Crusade recently. I was like, I don't know. Like, is a father-son story just going to make me ball my eyes out like a man? Because I feel like last time I watched Last Crusade, I still was surprisingly emotional. And now it's just going to destroy me. Anyways, uh, that's right, everyone. Patreon. Patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. You can go there, find the tier that is right for you, find something that is sustainable for you, and that is how this entire independent operation remains sustainable. So jump down a tier. 
no harm done. You aren't hurting us if you jump down a tier. If you talk to all of your friends and coordinate a massive attack where you all drop down a tier, that would be noticeable, but you do Why even give them that idea? I'm just saying be cool, but if you need to drop down a tier, please do it. Find something that is sustainable for you. We greatly appreciate it. And thank you to some of our biggest supporters. You know who you are, but just in case you don't, your factor factor everybody <laughs> america's number one ready to eat meal kit they say they can help you fuel up with fast and ready to eat meals delivered straight to your door you'll save time eat well and tackle everything on your to-do list sarah you know like those uh, meal kits that get sent to your house hypothetically no i don't have any being sent to my house because they're being sent to your house <laughs> look i tried to get them sent to everybody's i swear i tried anyways these meal kits they come in they're all great we talk about it a lot on the show and then factor comes in and they're like yeah yeah meal prep it's for suckers what if we just gave you a box with a bunch of great stuff in it and you put it in the microwave for two minutes and you're good to go here is a ready to eat meal no cleanup easy as can be it's tasty as can be uh it is fantastic i I genuinely um i'm annoyed that they haven't sent more uh to my place to the point of like okay they're our sponsor but i should probably go out and buy more factor kits especially with a kid on the way like i just need fast quick meals this is the way to go baby leo you had hot thoughts what's this gonna cost me a a million dollars a billion dollars let's see they say in their copy this unfortunately does cost a million dollars. Okay, that's fair. That seems fair. Yeah, but you can get product. you can get three percent off the million dollar price for Factor if you go to factormeals.com. Wait a minute, there must have been a typo. Head to factormeals.com slash minmax50 and use the code minmax50 to get 50% off of your first box. Whoa. Get it while it's hot. That's so much more than three. I know. That's code MINMAX50 at factormeals.com slash MINMAX50 to get 50% off your first box. You go there, you check out that price. I bet you'll have a moment of being like, damn, this is cheaper than I thought. And a bunch of good food shipped right to my house. Uh, not only that, 34 chef-prepared, dietitian approved weekly options. There's always something new to try, they say. You can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45-plus add-ons, including breakfast items, Jacob Geller, like our delicious apple cinnamon pancakes. Come on. Bacon and cheddar egg bites. My tummy rumbles. And egg breakfast skillet options. Factor, everybody, check it out. It's super easy. And I know you like easy out there. Uh, also, shout out to Miracle Brand Sheets. Uh, I always sleep with sheets and I enjoy it when it's Miracle Brand. I gotta say, I've been having a lot of mattress trouble over the last year. Not a fan Uh-oh. of the mattress. I've been trying to adjust it every which way. Yet, with all the stress of the mattresses, the one thing that I'm always excited about when I climb into bed. These freaking Miracle Brand sheets. Uh, if you don't know what these are all about, they are infused with NASA technology. Silver, silver f- infused fabrics. They make temperature regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Truly, I had never thought about sheets before they sent these over and then I put them on my bed and I said, oh, nice sheets are a nice thing for human beings to enjoy. Uh, these are bottom sheets or top sheets? They go on the mattress or above? Name it. <laughs> top sheets yeah they're that yeah <laughs> the other yeah, they cover every part of it also pillowcases which are like uh sheets for the pillow nice uh, I, my pillowcase always falls off and my sheets fall off so much that we had to get like this bed diaper from shark tank that straps around it to keep the sheet 
tied into the mattress? What are you doing at night? It's I roll around so much. I'm like a goddamn gas station burrito in that thing. Yeah, a cursed burrito. <laughs> Have you tried infusing it with uh, silver or NASA technology? NASA yeah. technology? I don't think that's available for home use yet unless we haven't heard all our sponsors. Uh, yeah, we have with Miracle Brand Sheets. Leo, you want to feel like a king, like a lord among men, and you want to have every problem in the bedroom taken care of? It's Miracle Brand Sheets. <laughs> Check it out, everybody. Go to trymiracle.com slash minmax to try Miracle-made sheets today with Mother's and Father's Day right in the corner. This is the perfect uh, perfect way to give someone you love the gift of... This is me just I off the dome. I feel it's, like it's weird to get your parents sheets. Yeah, but you should give them a more luxurious sleep. You should say, shh, go to sleep, parents. Please go to sleep. <laughs> Uh, you can save over 40% and you can use the promo code MINMAX at checkout to save even more and you get three free towels. Towels so great, that can be like your comforter. Uh, Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash MINMAX. Use the code MINMAX to claim your three-piece towel set. Save 40% off. Again... For you not listening out there because you're so rude, try miracle.com slash minmax to treat yourself. And they want us to say thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring the episode. Uh, By the way, I, w- I was hoping that they, the sheets stay on the bed extra well or something. I wasn't trying yeah. to go on a complete tangent, you know? I no, yeah. I mean, I, they stay on my bed, man. Great. Yeah. I like, hope let you me get come that over and roll around sponsor. on it. Yeah. Ben, I hope. I hope so too. Get a match response. I hope so too. Yeah. Do you want my old one if I get one? Absolutely. You just said it was bad. <laughs> it's cursed. <laughs> I do not want that mattress. This, this is like the burrito. Did you just write cursed mattress on <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, but it, it actually is effective here. I have some sort of power. Thank you to I Am 8-Bit. <laughs> they want everybody to know about the Super Mario Brothers vinyl soundtrack. You can pre-order it now at I Am 8-Bit's wonderful online store. And if you don't have a, a record player, you say, what am I, a record player owner? You're fine. You can also get the CD... Uh, you can also get a cassette. Any way you want to consume the music from the Super Mario Brothers movie is available for you at I Am 8-Bit. They have the 7-inch vinyl as well with the singles uh, of Peaches and also the Mario Brothers rap on the backside. It's uh, fantastic. Hats off to I Am 8-Bit for lining that up. That's a that's what we call a get because now that movie is, what, the third highest grossing animated movie of all time. It just crushed Incredibles 2, which was unbelievable. And the soundtrack wow. is very good. Uh, I can't wait to get it myself. So you can pre-order it right now at I Am 8-Bit's wonderful online store. You can use the promo code MAYFLOWERS, no space, MAYFLOWERS, to get 10% off everything under $100. And, please everybody, help support I Am 8-Bit because they support MinMax in a big way by shipping out a prize each and every week to whoever has the best question submitted over on Patreon. Whoever has the best question this week wins the Gravity Falls vinyl soundtrack. They just ship it right to your house. So if you want to help support independent games media, you can do that by going to Patreon. Then you submit a question every week, and then you have the chance, if you have the best question, of winning, of course, a great prize from IM8Bit. So show them some love. Um, Sarah, you ready for these questions? So ready. I feel like I've been ready for these questions about 20 minutes into the main segment of the show where I realized I was falling into the exact trap that I didn't want to do. How do you, you were listing off every single game? I, what do you do? How do you do that format? I don't <laughs> know how you Never coming soon from the people who made Greece. I did like Greece. You know what? Actually, Neva is interesting. It's available. <laughs> I did, Leo, is there a better way to do that format? I'm stuck because I do. Think, I, you know, sometimes we do like we each bring the three things we want to talk about. I think that's a fun way to do it. Yeah. 
I think, yeah, you're right. I think it's just like with a quick turnaround, but it yep. goes doable, but you're right. Having the structured way to do it is the better way to go. Uh, so Michael Martinez writes and says, hello, MinMax friends. I hope you all are doing well. Thank you. I finished Jedi Survivor recently and have now moved on to Tears of the Kingdom. Both these games have left me thinking about a lack of closure in a lot of AAA games recently. I don't have a ton of free time, so whenever I finish the main story and get thrust back into the open world, it feels like there's a massive laundry list of side quests and collectibles I'm still begged to go do after, and I can't escape the feeling that the story isn't truly done. Not that more contained stories that end at the credits don't exist in the AAA space, but it feels like they're becoming the exception. Do you miss the days of smaller contained stories, or do you prefer massive sprawling epics where you never feel done, even after the credits roll? I, I do miss it. Yeah. I do. I want to go back. Yeah. And it's especially, like, unless a, unless a game has, like, a, you know, a super mega optional boss... Like my my prevailing feeling is just like, why am I doing this? You know, like, why am I doing the side quests after the story is wrapped up? I don't need to get stronger, you know, like what's so it just feels it feels like it leaves the story open ended. And yet there's not anything satisfying to do. It's you know, just, I guess I would also be mad if it locked me out of the world afterwards. So it feels kind of like a no win. It is tough. Yeah. I agree because that's definitely been the big theme. It's just like over the last eh, eight years, it seems like people are just thanking developers more and more of like, thank you for letting me go back and finish up side quests after I finish the main game. But now it does just kind of feel like this lingering blah of an ending in some ways or just, I don't know, leaving you with like a sense of guilt that you haven't done it, you know? Sometimes I think what it takes away for me sometimes is making it a little predictable. It's like, you know, certain things can't happen because you're going to keep playing the game after the story's over. You're, if it, if there, it's not Rockstar, then you're going to keep playing as the same character. The world's going to be in the same state. You're going to have all the powers and like friends that help you or whatever. You know, it's like to, pre- to preserve the status quo of the gameplay loop it kind of has to play it a little safe, I find. Right, yeah. Uh, Keenan Harrell writes in and says, you're talking about Kiwi? I know the developers of this game. I used to work with a majority of them. It's very cool to see coverage after the game's release. Sweet. Go, Thanks for making Keenan happy. Uh, Joe Dean writes in to say, with Disney removing a bunch of original content from Disney Plus and Hulu, why do so many people want streaming to be the future of games? Sure, thanks to piracy, nothing is probably going to be lost forever, but it's gross that a company can decide to remove content just to save a dollar. Uh, yeah. I, who are these people who want streaming for video Things games? will be lost forever. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. they absolutely will be. Yeah. Um, that's a good question, sir. Who are these people? Like, who are these people? Na- name uh, names the in the comments. CEO of Xbox, the CEO of PlayStation. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I, I, I hate how the streaming shows are never on, like, physical. It's super, right. super rare that that happens. And that would solve a lot of the problems for me. As, as it is now, I kind of keep, a like, a backup of shows I'm afraid are going to get removed from streaming and I'll never be able to watch again. Yeah. I mean... The one that really hit me recently was like Willow on Disney Plus is getting removed. And it's like that was just put up. I still big, big Willow Defender. Willow was a really important movie to me growing up. And so it's always been on the back burner of like at some point I'm going to I'm going to at least watch the first episode of that Willow show because I'm just curious to see how they handle it, even if it's not lighting the world on fire. And then I would hear like I just can't watch that re- or the 
you know, legacy sequel to Willow. It's such a weird idea. And I, I don't understand how that makes sense to spend tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars on this thing. And then you just take it down months later. I, Explain yourself, Disney. Give Willow another chance, I beg of you. I don't uh, get it either. Also, um, I mean, you know, and and the as as Kelsey has pointed out many times, it's like preservation is hard even when things aren't streaming. Right. You know, like it's it's hard to play games anyway. Uh, but this is just going to make it uh, harder. Yeah. Also, HBO Max. I'm sorry. Who Max? And they're like, they, I just saw an article pop up today. They took Space Ghost off. I was like, man, like that. It's just weird. Like, I think I'm kind of immune to this type of thing. And then every once in a while, it's just like an arrow to my heart. I'm like, man, maybe I do want to go back and watch Space Ghost. And now I can't. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. I, it sucked having to log in again. My parents have like an 18 digit password. Oh, I'm sorry. That's tough, annoying. Man. If you wanted me to like your service, don't make me freaking log in again. Never. Also, for some reason now in like the suggested after the movie, it's there's not the name of the movie anymore. You just see it in the poster. And then on the bottom, it says, uh, 2015 PG 13 or whatever. Hmm. What's you up th- with that? Yeah. What is up with that? Sarah? Sarah, I what's am, up with I that? No, I wish Hulu would stop logging me out though. I feel like I have to log into Hulu like every other day. Yeah. And I want them to stop logging me out of my mother's account. <laughs> it's a personal plea. Net- Netflix is just, it. I just got the email that's like no more password sharing. Uh, so I am uh, watching season three of I Think You Should Leave and then I am canceling that service. Yeah. It's like there is nothing good on that app except for I Think You Should Leave. I'm not saying this is responsible for like a big impact on the Metacritic or scores or anything. But I will say I was surprised by how foul of a taste in my mouth I had after booting up Redfall on xbox and the one of the first things you do in the game to pop up like log in with your bethesda password it's like, I, how the hell so i had to like reset my password and just like doing that stupid password troubleshoot on like a console interface like i could not have had a worse mood going into that game which i was eager to give the benefit of the doubt and then it was like ugh, okay whammy on whammy on whammy here yeah that is interesting how that makes you mad when starting right. it yeah um hieronymus josh writes in Leo, I know the other day you were just screaming to the heavens. You're like, we've had every question to the podcast. No one can surprise us anymore with these questions. So Hieronymus Josh wrote in. They said, why is there the weather channel? <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> because we need to, like, send someone to go stand outside by the hurricanes. Because, like, I don't want to do it. Yeah. But I want someone right. else to do it so I can watch them just absolutely stand out in a raincoat. And they're like... It's really bad out here. No one should be out here. What's, I probably shouldn't be out here. What's the right level of pain? Because you want them to be uncomfortable and be on the edge of like, should I be out here? But you don't want to see like a two by four go through them. So like, is it? Just, I'd say like waist high floodwaters. Waist high. Okay. Waist high. <laughs> like, do you want do you want the hail that might be hitting them to like bruise them? Or just make them go like, Ow. No, I want just like a strong gust of wind to like rip their umbrella away. Invert the umbrella. Like, we gotta go. We gotta go. Yeah, I want, you know, more comedy. Right, right, right. Um, um, 
I, my partner and I, we have our date night once a week where we put our phones in the other room and we're chilling together eating takeout or whatever. And one of the rules of that is because our phones are in the other room. If we have a question, we have to look it up on YouTube and try and get the answer. (laughs) And once we were wondering what time it was, we we could back out to Roku home app and look at the time, but it'd be more fun to see if we can figure it out on YouTube. (laughs) That's so weird. (laughs) And we eventually found a live stream of a weather channel in like Chicago, somewhere in the same time zone yeah and they had the time in the corner we found it that way so i guess that's why they exist (laughs) isn't that that like a 30 rock joke that like millions of people are going to what time is it right now.com uh i am obsessed with things like the weather channel that seems slightly irrelevant like i don't know I don't know the best way to do it, but I do have this instinct in me and I've written down notes a bunch of times with like options. These are like, I want to have a sincere interview with like the marketing team behind brands that don't need marketing and are kind of slowly (laughs) sinking. Like, are there really smart people on the marketing team for the weather channel who would be able to have an interesting conversation about the challenges of getting the weather channel out there? Or would it just be, is everybody in marketing, Sarah, just like corporate speak nonsense. And I would hate it the second I lined up an interview like that. I mean, it depends who manages like the weather channels marketing well, well, is it right. them internally. Is it like a third party agency that they're trying to like bring the weather channel to Gen Z? Like mm. what, what are their moves? You yeah. know, What's the Weather Channel's TikTok looking like? Right. Yeah. I bet it exists. But like, I, I'm Honestly, obsessed I with follow everything. NPR on TikTok. They're pretty good. Yeah. Way to go. Mm-hmm. Well, they got to double down. They're not on Twitter anymore. So they're all in on TikTok <laughs> and nothing can go wrong with TikTok. Um, Matthew Byer Walter says, uh, oh, they ask, what was your most memorable instance of a licensed music of a piece of licensed music in a game? Hi-Fi Rush has a lot of great examples. But for me personally, it's the entirety of Elite Beat Agents. Ooh, Elite Beat Agents is very good. Like, um, yeah, the Rolling Stones song helped me out at the end of Elite Beat Agents, the final song. We all know it. Sarah, did you play Elite Beat Agents? No. God, that's, it's another Sarah game. It feels up your alley. It's right there. Um, why? I was born in the eye of a hurricane? What is that song? Rolling Stones? And it's all right. Jump, Jumpin' Jack um, Flash. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't help him. But I always get confused with the PlayStation <laughs> game. Try to find it on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> I don't. Hey, is anybody gonna? Ben, looking at this game, I don't think you understand me. Every time you say, "I can't believe you haven't played this game," I just right. I know more and more that you do not know who I am. Quir- you like quirky uh, Japanese stuff. Yeah, but not like not like rhythm heaven type games. Why? Because you know? so, I don't want to listen to any of the music in them. The song I just sang. You don't want to hear that again. Coming from no, PS speakers. I don't want to hear the song that you don't know the name for. <laughs> but, hey, God, but okay. So you like quirky Japanese stuff as long as there's no music involved? That seems like a stupid line to well, draw. Well, it's like, it's... <laughs> the way he said not, that. I don't, I, don't like, I don't like very, like, basic, like, tippy-tap gameplay, you know? I'm not going to sit there like, ta, ta, ta. Did you like theater rhythm? It was okay. Yeah. R- rhythm games, I uh, am with you. They, like, seem stupid from afar. until Unless they have a peripheral to get me in the door, you know, a little guitar. But then when I play them, I do have a good time. But it's like... Yeah. I don't see the appeal when I'm not playing them. Sarah, I'm going to go back and check the tape because now I remember that we talked about theater rhythm on this theater rhythm on this podcast, the new one. Yeah, and I said I don't want to play it. Is that right? I, yes. I, I remember enthusiasm. I'm not flip-flopping. Okay. Don't make me play back the old podcast on this podcast, so help me God. All right. <laughs> you know what, Sarah? What is – okay, so it's, it needs to be Japanese and quirky like Chibi Robo, 
or something that you played on the GameCube. It needs to be cute. It needs to be cute. It needs to be like cute, quirky, not like bizarre men with bizarre hairstyles quirky. I don't like, <laughs> okay, the, Sarah, like the masculinity. The masculinity of the Elite Beat Agents? I wish it would just not be there. Elite Beat Agents are the least masculine video game characters ever created. They have a very strong aura yeah, that but, I don't think I like But it. then they're just like helping kids and like getting cats out of trees and singing songs. Yeah, that's not masculine. Masculine <laughs> people don't do any of that. Yeah, they don't help Beat people. Kids, put cats in trees. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, anyways. Uh, anyway, to yeah. the question. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it counts because I think it's a uh, it like was original to the game but I think my favorite like music moment in the game is uh is when in the like last level of Max Payne three when that health song comes on, uh, tears. Mm. It's like the one song with lyrics. Uh, but in terms of like really licensed, Saints Row three. Uh, Saints Row three oh, has yeah. truly some banger needle drops. There's one where you're uh, you're skydiving into like a party that you're gonna you know like kidnap someone from, and it's and it's playing Power by Kanye West, and it's very cool. And then the final mission. Uh, does holding out for a hero right and you know it's like both those songs are maybe played out now but like it's great it really it really works yeah i mean it's it's tough to ignore it's like okay this feels so much more epic just having a power drop in there um yeah this uh i don't i feel kind of guilty about liking this game i feel like everyone culturally has turned on it in such a big way that it, it feels it feels like liking hamilton like we talked about in the previous episode but like man going into it blind for this aspect and then hearing that weird version of girls just want to have fun in bioshock infinite yeah. that's like genuinely i thought it was just an amazing moment like just the moment walk around oh, the world and, and be the, like and wait the god only that? knows moment yes also yeah although, it was although i'm musically very dumb and god only knows i didn't really know that song so it wasn't immediately like oh beach boys like i feel like that game taught me about the beach boys which is i understand a stupid angle to take but I'll fall on that sword with you. I Thank also you. didn't recognize that song, but that was nice. But I mean, I recognized it, but I was like, I could be an old hymn or something. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, just I, I love that, which is weird remixing idea. It's like, okay, so they heard girls just want to have fun through the tear through time, and then they did their own version of it. Like that's such a fun idea. Um, what was the song they played in Final Fantasy fifteen when you had to start pushing the car? Oh yeah, uh, "Stand by Me" by that uh, was yes. like so Florence weird. and the Machine. Yes, right. I, think right. that, I think that's it's really cool. I really like that part. God, was that, and that was like the only time in the game that they had like licensed music, which was like right in the intro, right in the beginning. Yep. The weird thing, Sarah, is uh, with Game Informer uh, going to the studio and playing that early version of Final Fantasy Fifteen like video game. It's like a video game magazine. <laughs> yeah, the world's number one <laughs> video game magazine. Um, the only bit though, I only. Well, the world's number one is how they phrased it on the cover. Um, I don't know. I don't know how the total sales for Game Informer stacked up in the world. It was never clear. When you saw the magazine ranking... I didn't realize it was global. There's Game Informer Australia. The point is, Sarah... (laughs) And and there was Italy for a while, I think. Um, Anyways, the point is we visited uh, Square Enix um, to play an early version of 15. And they had, in that open area, when you're just going around doing side quests... They had just an acoustic version of Neil Young's Heart of Gold playing. 
like throughout the it just like it looped and like we captured hours and hours of gameplay of this and played the demo for so long and it was so bizarre to be like Neil Young is just in Final there, Fantasy 15 did they not have like the music prepared for the game yet or they were I, like this is the vibe I think it was just yeah a, it's kind of a template of like this is the vibe we want for roaming around or did the they want you to get DMCA'd if you try to like illegally upload any of that footage I think yeah, it's just the, weird all place hours of footage had Neil Young's <laughs> The heart of gold looping yeah. anything? Yeah, I don't think... What, what, how did you piss them off? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but oh, then, wait, also, we didn't mention uh, the Final Fantasy, whatever that game is called, the My Way that plays during the opening cutscene and then cut, is cut off by a loading screen that's right. seconds that's before right. the core. Oh, Final Fantasy the, Origin. Stranger for Paradise. Stranger yep. Paradise, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, uh, Sarah, I think I told this story before, but then we uh, went out and sang karaoke with the Final Fantasy XV development team. Mm-hmm. And I have I, heard the story before. Yeah, and then I was like, all right, here we go, everybody. And I put on Neil Young's Star to Gold, and it was just blank stares. I was like, it's in your game. You've heard the song 4,000, but they didn't know the song. It was like, I don't know. I've never thought of lyrics existing to this song before. I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I tried. Uh, Andrew Baker says, Hey, Min Maxers, Tears of the Kingdom being released has put the online discourse crazy with all sorts of discussion, they say. Um, what, my question to you is what was your favorite post-release discourse discussion surrounding a game? My personal favorite was after the release of Metal Gear Solid 4 and seeing everyone's reaction to the Buckwild story. It's certainly Buckwild. I feel like for me, it's like the most recent Pokemon game that came out. Like the people who were like, look at all these bugs. And then the people who were like, they're just a small company. Only (laughs) five developers. Like the people who were like absolutely spinning in their graves to like try to excuse this like really bad bugs and frame rate and people couldn't decide if like pokemon was a big company or a small company or or if they were like an indie company i don't know i love i love pokemon discourse they just there's a there's a hot take on everything it's it's a lot and now like there's still the strong defenders of scarlet violet people who have like soured on it more i think like it was a pretty broken but kind of fun game it was kind of my read on it overall, but like it's the amount like, of people should it have been better. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But now people are acting like it was just one of the worst games released in the last five years. It's like okay, it's, it, technically yeah, but like it's still fun to play. <laughs> you know, but we all bought sure it because like didn't we learn that it sold like ten million similar to Tears of the Kingdom? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Leo, it is <laughs> embarrassing that they released it, but like we should still celebrate it because it's kind of fun to catch Pokemon. True. Uh, this is an easy answer for me. It was when Hitman 1 first came out episodically, level by level, and Giant Bomb was talking about it. Mm. It was so consistent of like over multiple weeks, them playing it, and then as the new levels that came out, they'd get back into it. Yeah. And that's such a get- fun game to hear stories about. Who's your favorite Giant Bomb personality? Old Giant Bomb. I was a Drew Scanlon man. Really? Easily. Whoa, Drew boy. Just like the video aspect? What do you think it was? He was so funny. And, and he was... Like quiet, you know. Yeah, he didn't speak up unless he had something really good to say, and that was like, you know, I aspired to that. Yeah, always really confident in everyone of his takes, like interesting takes, focusing on the sim stuff. Yeah, like totally unique, like yeah, taste in games. That's interesting. Um, folks at home, you know him as white blinking guy, white blinking guy, the gif. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He works at the that place that's above where Kelsey works. <laughs> And we were touring it when we were out there, and I got to, you know, smell his chair. He wasn't there. there. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think we met him. Yeah, digital eclipse there. 
Um, Josh Labah writes in, they say, can Sarah please tell us what that treat ball toy was that Poggers had in Max's pet documentary available now on YouTube? I have a rat terrier mix that needs some extra outlets and that treat ball toy looks perfect. Oh God. I don't remember. I got it in LA at a really bougie pet store, um, that only had really expensive dog toys in that, which I didn't realize until I went in, but they recommended it and he's had it for five years. Uh... So I don't know the name of it. All right. I'm so sorry. Can you all judge this joke? Pa- oh, it's called Updog. What's Updog? Updog. U-P-D-O-G. Updog. There it is. No further questions, Runner. Uh, Pate <laughs> Rion writes in and says, Hey, all my dog loves giving kisses. And when she meets new people, I apologize. And I always say, sorry, she can't hold her liquor. Like her tongue. Oh. And Pate asks, is it the greatest dog-based pun? That's a pretty good one. I think that's good. That'll good. do. My uh, my girlfriend's conservative dad made uh, he really loves cats, and he said to her, "Hey, my pronouns are he, him, his." And I said, "That's the first funny pronouns joke I've ever heard." <laughs> <laughs> that rocks. Hey, that rocks. Uh, Brandon. Hey wrote in and uh, say Leo said during the Game Awards stream that he remembers the Game Awards theme and could summon it at any point of the year. So Leo saying that. (laughs) Wow, that's it. (laughs) Thank you, Keely. Victor Fam. I thought about singing it earlier. I don't remember why. Uh, Victor Fam writes in and says, have you ever been prank called? I used to get prank called when I was a host at Ruth's Chris. Oh, the steakhouse. I was at the front desk, yeah. so I took the the phone calls. And I remember one prank call was from this kid doing a Stewie Griffin voice. And he wanted <laughs> to make a reservation for Stewie Griffin. Did you play along? And, How do you react to something like that? Yeah, I just played along. It And it's... It was weird. It wasn't a big laugh for either of us. <laughs> I was just like, could I get a phone number? <laughs> and he made up a phone number. Are you celebrating anything? (laughs) I mean, it has to be like, I mean, that'd be a perk of the job, I think, as long as you're not like too stressed out. Like if compared to an average phone call, if someone's calling, trying to be funny and be a little stinker, it's like, it's got to be an improvement, right? Yeah, it didn't happen nearly often enough for me to be annoyed by it. Oh, that's great. Uh, Ian Miller writes in and says, legit question. How do musicians not cry when performing their songs, even if they're not that emotionally charged? Anytime I sang along to a song that resonates with me, I have to fight back tears regardless of the sadness factor. Am I alone in this? Anyone else here a crybaby king or queen? <laughs> I get it. Um, Singing in general has always brought tears to my eyes, and I don't know why. Right. I, I might just be an amazing singer. But I... Th- think it's just there's something about like feeling embarrassed by it i've never been really confident in singing and so so there's just something about it that makes my makes my little eyes well up so if you're singing like a really sad heartbreak song it's not the song that's making you cry it's you're so embarrassed that you start crying i mean on a subconscious level i'm trying to figure it out you know do you did you cry when we played rock band a couple weeks ago (laughs) i'm honored you didn't notice (laughs) i I, I've been singing more lately in the car. Yeah. Because I'm like, I want to kind of practice singing. 
So yes. when I have to bust it out for karaoke, I'm a little more in control of what I'm doing. Right, right. And it hasn't been happening that. But that's not in front of people. So you have to be tested, really. God. Man, yeah, I had a long drive the other day. Like last week, I was driving out to film for the documentary thing. The Doc Lightning, everybody, that uh, we're going to be airing the community's documentaries next week. Uh, so on Thursday at, I believe, 7 p.m. Central on Twitch, we'll have the film festival thing. But that entire drive back, I had something from the Beatles in my head. And it was like an hour and a half of me singing that song on loop out loud in my car thinking like, if I ever sing this in karaoke, I'm going to nail it. And then every time I tried singing it in my car, never quite got it. It was like seriously like over an hour of just trying to (laughs) hit every note on this song. It's not like a very hard song, but it's just like it's nice to realize every once in a while that. Yeah, maybe I'm not that good of a singer. Maybe maybe I'm just convinced myself because I'm usually drunk playing rock band when I'm singing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, how do they not cry? I don't know. I've never seen foot. I would like to see that footage of, like, singers singing one of their big songs and, like, really feeling it and kind of breaking down crying. Because I think they're... I, I, I think they just sing it so much. They just do it a lot. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it is it's a job. Yeah, but I've listened to Lydia Lovelace's song, Clumps, like 300 times and it makes me cry every time the theme song from the nutty professor <laughs> the credit song that played <laughs> Leo, please look up lydia loveless clumps just to have a good comparison when she's <laughs> listening to it after this podcast after matching that playing over the credits um yeah with I a don't... K? <laughs> no it's not with a k okay uh yeah i don't know i guess yeah they all just become robots it, singers are all become they all become actors because they don't mean the words that they're saying. Oh no, we've ruined oh, singers here we for go Ben. Again. There we go. Uh, ben, what if your child wants to become an actor? No child of mine will become an actor. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds fun. I don't know. Uh, Thomas Bowen writes in and says, "I wondered how good the crew would be at guessing the most re-released games of all time." What do you think is a, in the top are seven? Are we just shouting them out? Yeah, I'll tell you if it lands. Tetris. Tetris number one. Shout it. Oh, so it's just old. Is it just old games? It doesn't need to be. Re-released games. Does it count if it's like on the Nintendo Live service? Mm, I don't think so. Are we counting those all? Nah. Res- Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4! Number seven. Way to go. Number seven. Number seven. Um, Sarah. Final Fantasy 7. No, don't be naive. Sorry. Um, this, this game is is on the Nintendo oh. Online service, Sarah, so it counts, I guess, there. It's been re-released a couple of times. What, what do you think would be the biggest game in that arena that's been re-released? Oh, is it Ocarina of Time? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. This is a game that came that was out... on the DS. It's 3DS, yeah. It came out... Uh, this one came out on the NES. They remade it for the Super Nintendo. Is it just Super Mario? Super Mario yeah, there we go. Yeah, there we go. Um, that's surprising, though. I guess it's like the 30th anniversary. I guess they're counting that and then maybe they are counting the online stuff um there's a biggie it's the joke it's the joke one for remakes skyrim. i'm sorry not pac-man what was that leo skyrim skyrim number Ow. six way to go um this is that series that everyone pretends to like <laughs> no this is one it, it's another it's another big joke series um it's the one of like can it run on a this it's Doom. Crisis? Doom. There we go. Way wow. to go. Uh, I was with you, Leo. <laughs> uh, let's see. This one, Hall of Famer. If you're talking about well, greatest games ever made, it's like of course this is going to gotta go on the list. And Capcom will keep releasing this 
every opportunity they get in a thousand different bundles. There's a thousand versions of it. Street Fighter 2. Street Fighter 2. Number two on this list. I'd be surprised if anybody in this room has played this game. Iconic game with horrific gameplay that in the past Uh, was amazing. Oregon Trail. How dare you? (laughs) That holds up so much better than everything else from that era. Um, True. No, this is is a game... To call it gameplay is a stretch, but regardless, when you saw this in the arcade or you saw it oh, running anywhere. Oh, was it uh, Dragon's Quest? Dra- Dragon's Lair. You're very Dragon's close. Lair. Dragon's Lair, Sorry. yes. Dragon's Lair. I did play that uh, when it was re-released on the iPod Touch, by the way. Oh, wow. Did you beat so, it? I know. Okay. I think I made it four screens in. Uh, Thomas Bowen says, there has been a Dragon's Lair released in 28 different years in the last 40 years. That's an average of one release of Dragon's Lair every one and a half years. Wow. I, somehow I've never played it. That seems so weird. I'm a weird animation nerd. I'm like a Don Bluth fan. It's weird that I've never dabbled with that. Um, isn't that weird, Sarah? It's so weird. Sarah, you don't know me. You don't know my taste in games. <laughs> uh, what do y'all like for question of the week? Um, the Weather Channel one was good. <laughs> I like the Weather Channel one too. How are we feeling about it, group? Yeah, All that's right. it. For, forecast for the says they win this week. Hundred percent chance of receiving something in your mailbox. Congratulations, Hieronymus Josh! You just won the Gravity Falls vinyl soundtrack for my mate bit. Now it's time for something that we prefer to call "Get a Load of This Jingle," y'all. Here it is. <laughs> Here we go. Did you, you accidentally play that during the d- Zelda Deepest Dive or something? What? Excuse me? If everybody in chat suddenly went like, why did we just hear the, the get a load of this jingle at a recent broadcast that wasn't a Men Max <laughs> Really? Show? I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, maybe it like auto plays if I'm like going in between scenes and Streamlabs or something. So probably. Oh, maybe. Hey, Leo, you got one, one man? Was. Yeah, check this check this out, right? That's the name of the section? Yeah. Check this out. Blacktransarchive.com is a really interesting website, interactive art project that's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure that takes you through... It's, it's less of an archive of, like, black trans activists as it is, like, an art piece honoring everything they've done and continue to do. Huh. It's a really compelling like half hour interactive website with a mind blowing art style that is like completely engaging and cool. And honestly it was playing it. I was like struck by what a cool version of the internet it is. You know, it sucks sometimes that we're all just on Twitter and YouTube or whatever. Cause this is like a really unique, cool website. That's definitely worth checking out. Cool. Link below for everybody here. Uh, Sarah. I don't want to follow that. Okay. Hey, get that. a load of this, everybody. Here's a dumb one. Um, I, I, It's exactly in my wheelhouse. Again, I don't know why it took me so long. It was recommended by multiple people. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. But I finally watched that ILM documentary that's just called Light and Magic on Disney Plus, just about the history of ILM. Um, have you seen this thing, Jacob? No, but I've also heard it recommended. Yeah, because I think just a lot of the Disney Plus making of has been trash. Like, all of their assembled, the making of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. It's like, this is... I, I, all of those making of, I think, have been disappointing. Um, except for the one about... 
the horror theme from Marvel. The point is, what is that movie called? The weird Disney Plus one Wolf. that's in black and white. Wolf Within Me. Of Wall Street? Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> the point is, I finally got into watching this, and it it's so good. It's just like a six-episode series and just the footage they have from the history of ILM is unbelievable. Like they were recording themselves doing so much and just seeing this old footage of Phil Tippett and the crew and just like how cobbled together so many of those early films were. Um, it's unbelievable. So uh, check that out. Lawrence Kasdan, who, you know, wrote, uh, co-wrote uh, Indiana Jones and co-wrote, I guess, Force Awakens, but then also Empire Strikes Back. I mean, he directed and produced this whole thing. And so it's really well done. And there's a tidbit that's Again, very up my alley. I don't know how I didn't know this, but they're talking about the last episodes about Jurassic Park and a lot of other stuff in that era, you know? And uh, so it's just cool to have a new making of Jurassic Park thing in there. But uh, he's talking about how Gennaro, the lawyer who gets eaten on the toilet, classic Jurassic Park scene, he was saying that that model is just literally the T-1000 from Terminator 2. <laughs> like, they just because they just finished that movie. So yeah, we just put that and then put some pants on it. And that, that's the T-1000, everybody. So fun fact for everybody. Uh, Jacob, you got one? Uh, yeah, get a load of this. Uh, so there's this YouTube channel that I like uh, called Game Champ 3000 that usually does kind of uh, just video game challenges. Like, can you beat Kingdom Hearts without leveling up? Uh, but she uh, made a video a little while ago that is relevant to today's Metal Gear announcement, kind of, uh, because it's about... Uh, so you know how the story of Metal Gear Solid 2 is like, oh my gosh, uh, we all thought we were going to play a snake, and then Raiden, this character, came out of nowhere, had never been like previewed before. What a surprise. Yeah. Um, uh, she talks about, in the, the Game Boy game Metal Gear Ghost Babble, mm -hmm. when you beat every mission, including the like bonus missions where you're like stealthing past Donkey Kong, uh, the guy says, your training is complete, well done, your combat capability is now undoubtedly beyond that of Solid Snake, uh, your time is about to come, get some rest for now, Jack. And so it's like, the whole twist of Metal Gear Solid 2 was just like, in the end of this Game Boy game that no one played. What? I have never heard that. Yeah, it's very, it's very weird. And it's like the timelines are like, this was like before Metal Gear Solid 2 was announced. Right. I think that it was in here. It's, it's, and the game wasn't even, it's not even canon and it wasn't like made by Kojima. Right. Uh, but for some reason it's, it's in there. Wow. Cool. I, now they can remake Ghost Babble and make it be like, oh no, these were Solid Snake simulations the entire time and you're technically playing as Raiden and all that stuff. That's a Yeah, so idea. anyway, the video is called The Greatest Twist in Video Game History is a Lie and it's just kind of like a spiral cool. into trying to figure out canon. Sweet. Link below for everybody. All right, Sarah, give us some dumb stuff. Just rock us. Yeah. So get a load of this uh, popular Twitch streamer and OnlyFans creator, Amaranth, has made an AI chatbot in which you can go on dates with her. No. And it's actually her voice. I thought that it was just like a chat chat, but it's actually her oh. voice. Oh, my yeah. God. Is it like there's yeah. a visual to it? I don't think so. But we're really taking parasocial relationships to a whole new level with this. Do you pay for it? Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> this I, I don't. I, oh, I would not do it. this for yeah, free. Yeah, Sarah, oh, do you pay for, pay for it? For it? <laughs> no. How do you feel about that, Sarah? 
I don't really want to like rest on the morals of the whole situation because uh-huh. we all know that it's you know just a result of capitalism to really sure. sell your relationships to people in a okay. way they can actually pay for it. Sure. Because just you know how else do you capitalize off of people wanting to fake date you? Mm-hmm. Like, but yeah, it's inter- it it's an interesting conundrum, isn't conundrum. it? Do you- do you know i i don't know how much you know on this is it like is it based on like her personality specifically yeah it seems like it's her voice her personality oh boy i mean she has thousands of streams that they could pull from yeah i guess that makes hours and hours and hours of content that they could pull from because it's like i feel like making a voice would be easier than making a you know being like this is what this person would say uh but Mm -hmm. if she's got enough content Large language model. Who knows? Uh, okay. I mean, five years from now, this is going to be cute that we were surprised by this. I, think this I mean, none be... of us will even record MinMax. We'll just no. like plug in our four personality course. God. Oh, yeah. and... oh, dang it. They're all dating again. <laughs> 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 we don't like it. Uh, hey, get a load of this from the community uh, discord where there's a whole get a load of this channel. Um, well, of course, you know who this was. Who submitted this? So I'll tell you after I share the tidbit. Um, but it is a tweet from Stephen Totillo um, from Axios, where he just shared um, a bunch of stuff about Embracer Group, the company we all love to be confused about. About like what is going on over there at Embracer? How do they have this much money? How are they buying everybody? You know the classic Embracer jokes. And of course, this comes from Crowboy in the Discord. Um, but uh, it, they were talking about how apparently there was a two billion dollar deal for Embracer and everything blew up. And apparently last night, whoever this other entity was that had a $2 billion deal lined up with Embracer, let Embracer know. Um, and now their stock is down 40% because they announced it uh, today as of the time of this recording. And there is uh, the CEO of Embracer. He did like a Q&A online and he just... It's weird to see, we all were commenting on Phil Spencer and how rocked he seemed to be during that kind of funny interview and how sad he was, but this guy is like shell-shocked out there just talking about like, yeah, we had everything lined up and then last night, uh, all our money just went away. It's just weird to see a CEO just trying to reckon with like, what is happening to this company? We're bracing on this, like we're, uh, you know, yeah, embracing. Uh, this deal coming through and it all fell through apparently. Um, and in that wow, Q&A, someone's he, watching the last season of Succession. Right. Yes. Am I right? I think you're right. Uh, and then also, uh, he was also asked about the Kotor remake, which is confusing. Uh, and he said no comment on the status of that Kotor remake. So don't, don't uh, cross your fingers, folks. That thing might not ever be coming, at least from the Embracer umbrella. Um, all right, that's it for an episode of the Minmex Show. Thanks for sticking with us. We know it was a funky one. We're aware of what we made, everybody. Uh, has anybody got something they're dying to plug? Listen to something, Ron Podcast. We're yeah. talking about DMC and Hellblade. That's our new season. Hell yeah. Ninja Theory. Great picks, great picks. Nice. Um, yeah, let's see. Oh, for- I got a new Patreon video out. Patreon and Nebula. And if you're in the Leo Vader Discord, I put the link in there. You stinky little web. It's a great video. I watched it. <laughs> Thank you. 
Uh, yeah, just a reminder, uh, Doc Lightning, our uh, competition, not competition, but we're encouraging people in the community to make a short documentary. We're going to be having that screening uh, on Twitch Thursdays. So you can give us a follow at MinMax Show. It should be up on YouTube after that. So it should be fun to have a big group just seeing what the community made. And then also the documentary that I still have to edit will be in there, but it should be a good time. Um, also, if you support us on Patreon, you can unlock the our bonus podcast called Party Chat, which airs every single Monday this week. Uh, somebody asked just like, they're like, Hey, I'm starting a gaming podcast. How do you produce a podcast? And so we just kind of walk through all those details. We ran through predictions for Xboxes, summer reveals, all that fun stuff. So you can unlock that bonus podcast. It's called party chat. I still get messages on Patreon for people being like, I don't know how I missed this. I don't know how I missed the idea that you're doing a bonus podcast each and every week. Um, so I'm telling everybody listening to this, that uh, party chat is a thing. Thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon. Thank you to everybody who supports us at the $50 tier, that game champion tier, where you can choose any game under the sun and be declared its champion. I'm talking about Malcolm Holiday, who's the champion of, oh, I love this, Tatsunoko versus Capcom Ultimate All-Stars, no doubt about it. Uh, the champion of Star Wars Shadows of the Empire is That's Mildly Raven. The champion of Like a Dragon, uh, sorry, Yakuza Like a Dragon, Jesse Spencer. Uh, Clemens Zobel is the champion of Assassin's Creed Origins. Jawar Hello, the champion of Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. And Studio Hoiho, once again, the champion of Eco. Just bless them. All right, that's it, everybody. Thanks so much for watching and listening to this episode of The MinMax Show. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode for the... Thank you so much, everybody. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Just now, or I guess not just now, Xbox tweeted what a good looking group with all of the games that are coming to Xbox from the Sony showcase. Ooh, stinky. And it's like all of them. Nice. Including Metal Gear Solid. Oh, really? Uh, Alan Wake. Yeah. Uh, that's fun. Great. That was confusing.